that show is long and gone. Henry is here with us, our fearless leader of the life groups. Guys, I got to say, it has been months since we've done one of these things. It is so, so good to see you, Matt. I'm going to start with you, man. I haven't talked to you in a while. How the hell are you? Uh, you know, living life. Uh, I'm no longer under the Arizona sun. I am back in Chicagoland and, you know, I'm not really thrilled about it. Someone misses the desert after leaving it. That is a bit yeah. of a surprise, but the humidity, I tried to tell you that the humidity is no joke uh, once you leave that dry heat. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just a sticky feeling, man. It, it's, I imagine it's like being a Yankee fan, right? <laughs> now. You, know, you just got that boom feeling all over you. You know it's not going to be pleasant in a couple of weeks, and you just got to deal with it. You just got that constant sweating in all the wrong places. It's really how, how you the best describe it. Um, Henry, I have. He took a that? shot at the Yankees, and as soon as he took a, took a shot at the Yankees, he started going in and out. Yeah, well, it's, it's almost like Henry's internet connection wouldn't allow it. Uh, <laughs> you know, Matt, the last time we did a live show was April 21st. We were previewing the NFL draft in which I was attending in Las Vegas. Since then, uh, a lot of things have gone on yeah. in my life. I have seen Henry since then in person, and it wasn't our normal Yankee Stadium getup. Henry, you came to upstate New York to see me get married. That was awesome. Okay. So it's good to see you again. Um, how's it going down there in the boogie down? You holding it down for us? I would not have missed that for the world it was a fantastic wedding randy looked great but he took a backseat to taylor man i told him then i tell him now man she looked like she was right out of a bridal magazine so it was a wonderful day wonderful celebration uh i'm glad to be a part of it and i'm happy that i was invited and honored so we definitely had a good time things here in the bronx are crazy uh the yankees are driving everyone crazy i believe they're tied <laughs> an extra innings in a game they have no business being tied at when they have another game that was supposed to start two minutes ago so who knows they just refuse to hit in any uh, situation that could, you know, successfully win them a game. So, um, and anytime Aaron Judge has a chance to do something, and teams just refuse to pitch to them, and, uh, and I can't say I blame them. Uh, who actually hit another home run, by the way, 55 on the year uh, for your AL MVP. Go debate your mother. Um, <laughs> but yes, Henry did make the truck up to upstate into the mountains in the coldest day in June history. And that is always going to be appreciated by me. And really, it's an honor to know Henry and even to get to invite him to something like that. So the uh, the status of the wedding was certainly upped by having Henry there in his three-piece suit and looking sharp and him and the wife. It was good to see them. Now, Bushnell, you and I got to get together at some point. Um, you know, and, and really maybe just shoot the shit about our bets that we've made that haven't been paid off or um, maybe just football in real life. Well, we'll have to figure that out. But a lot of a lot is going on. I live in Massachusetts now. I live 15 minutes away from Gillette Stadium where the New England Patriots play. Wild. I do not love living in enemy territory, but this is where we're at. Henry's still holding down the fort in New York, so I don't have to worry about that. Henry? I, I will tell you, I'm glad that uh... – you got to have the whole Eli over Patriots thing while you're living there. <laughs> I don't think no matter what they say, no matter how many rings and Super Bowl trophies and stuff they put in your face, you always have those two wins. And I think that's the ultimate comeback. So you get to hand out unlimited L's while you're living there. brother. 
Yeah, I went to the Giants Patriots preseason game uh, last month, and um, there are a lot of Giants fans there. And the the overall consensus I got from the Pats fans is like, we hate the Giants. They're the one fan base in the NFL we can't talk shit to. <laughs> that just brings a great uh, joy to me. Uh, and you know, Taylor just like, why do you have such a big smile on your face? Well, the Giants suck. I'm like, yeah, but I always have that, and they know I always have that. So always will. Yeah. So that makes me happy for sure. And I even went to a barber here and they were like, they don't ask me about the Yankees. They're like, are you a Giants or Jets fan? And they're like, I said Giants and like this fucking guy, get him out of here. Like they don't even care about the Jets. They're on their own division. So I wouldn't have got the haircut there, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were cool. They were cool. But they were like, this is Eli Manning. I hate that guy. <laughs> but it was fun. All right. You know, um, I, look. I do have to add, out of all the teams on this podcast, we are three and zero against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Would you look at that? Would you look at that? And you know, one of us hasn't played them, but uh, <laughs> Hank showing off his Super Bowl ring. Uh, yeah, I got yeah. a I got a replica ring, which is actually pretty badass. I was showing Randy earlier uh, for my birthday. Yeah, Ninety four. Yeah, this is pretty badass. So. I don't think I could speak words uh, the last time the Niners won the Super Bowl. So um, that's at the level of the Cowboys there. So hey. sorry, I had to, I had to say it's to be proud. We compete brother. We compete. Hey, you know, sound like us Yankee fans trying to justify the last uh, 12 years. Uh, I got my ring now too. Just had to you know, show it off in there. You know, married man. Uh, I'm going to brag about that a lot. So if you're already sick of it, I'm sorry. I think it's pretty awesome. So whatever. Um, speaking of rings, there's a team in the NFL who's getting their rings tomorrow and raising a banner and it's the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, they are your Super Bowl champions. They kick off the NFL season against the Buffalo Bills, the prohibitive favorite to win the Super Bowl in 2022. So guys, let's just get right into it. I am jacked up about the football season finally being here. And we're going to go down the line with the schedule. We're going to say the matchup, but then we're going to talk about the season totals for that team. We're going to talk about whether we think they're going to go over or under and then predict the game and move on. So I love this matchup. I think it's a great game right off the bat. Um, and Henry, I'm going to start with you. Um, and th this is weird. Like Bills are the team that everyone seems to love so much that um, – they are – everyone's like, oh, they're going to win the Super Bowl no matter what. They're in a bad division, blah, blah, blah. And Vegas seems to agree because their over-under is 10 and a half. Uh, the over will pay out plus 100. Under is minus 120. And I assume with your love from Josh Allen, Hank, you're all over this over for the Bills. I'm all over the over. I mean, look, in this day and age in the NFL, you can't say this team is going to win the Super Bowl. Matt, Matt had Kansas City winning four or five in a row. I mean <laughs> – it's it's you can't you you can't you can't this this team this uh this league is too loaded that you know the top tier teams are just they're too good you know they can knock anyone off the 49ers are just the Jaquarski tart dropped interception away from the Super Bowl it, it takes one play but um I mean the Bills look like it right they, they have everything you want they have the defense they have the running game they have the quarterback who's fucking turned into like a superstar in front of our eyes um, they're a fun team to watch. And what happens with those teams is once they start winning, they get hated on and teams start to, people start to hate them. Once you start winning, people love to hate you. So, you know, if you're a Bills fan, if you're a true Bills fan, enjoy it while you can, because once you start winning, once you win one Super Bowl, if you were lucky enough to get more than one, the hate will come. People hate you when you win. So enjoy it while you can. Bills Mafia, be careful out there, man. My brother is an anesthesiologist uh, in Buffalo, and he told me, Football Sundays are amongst the busiest days in Buffalo in the hospital. So 
be careful, Bills Mafia, please. But I'm I'm all over that over, man. Ten and a half, that's that's a layup, right? I mean, come on. It's 11, 11 and a half. It's 11 and a half. Yeah. Did I say 10 and a half? If I said 10 and a half, my apologies. Okay, okay. Uh, I, I mean, I, I still – got, they got to win 12 games. I, I think they can do it in that division. Look, I, I'm from upstate New York. I spent my first 30 years there. That is Bills Mafia country. There is the hard, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more passionate fan base than Bills Mafia. They are all in. They think this is the year. And I think the division is kind of meh. I think their schedule is going to line up nicely. And if Josh Allen is truly the guy, and he is definitely a top three quarterback in the NFL now, I think that's been established. He's going to be an MVP candidate. Uh, I think it's silly to not um, bet the over on 11 and a half wins. If they are going to be one of the best teams in the NFL, they should cruise to, I'd say, 13 wins here. Um, now, that's not an easy number to get to, but I still think it's possible. Uh, Matt Bushnell, I know you are more of the purist where you understand the NFL competition and how difficult a season-long grind can be. Do you think the Bills are good enough to, to crush this over on 11 and a half? I don't think they're going to crush it. I think they'll get close. I mean, they're going to be right at that line. Um, I love how they do the 11 and a half because I could see 11 or 12 wins for the Buffalo team. I don't think Miami's getting enough credit, but we'll get to them in a minute, I'm sure. But to me, the Bills have everything that you want out of a championship team. It kind of feels like it's been percolating for a couple of seasons. They keep on getting better. They keep on getting closer. They have more experience now. They have probably the most depth in the AFC when we talk about one through 53. So th they can sustain an injury or two to, with one exception, and that's to Josh Allen. Josh Allen gets hurt. This team falls apart, falls apart like a house of cards. Um, I'll take the over, but if it was 12 and a half, I'd take the under. I, I think they get to 12 wins, but I don't see them winning more. It's interesting how we think about that, because 12 and a half to me feels like it's so steep that like it'd be too ballsy of a number to go after. But then again, I, I think that they're going to win 13 games. So like, I'd still assume they win that, but it's still more of a conversation at that point. Cause a lot more could go wrong when the number yeah. is that high. Um, and yeah, like you said, the, the bills could keep on developing uh, the way a franchise should, even though they lose Joe Shane to my New York giants, Brandon Bean is one of the best general managers in the NFL. Sean McDermott is one of the best head coaches in the NFL. They lose Brian Dayball also to the giants and they just slide in um uh their quarterbacks coach should be their offensive coordinator the bills to me are a machine where their depth kind of fills in their holes and then they can sign free agents now which is crazy to think that western new york is a free, uh, free agency destination but when you pay von miller as much as you did it's a little bit more appealing and i love the von miller signing for them he's coming off of a super bowl championship with the rams i just think he's going to add an element to that defense that they were missing a little bit once Trey White gets back healthy, that defense will be back to their, you know, I think they were top three last year. So the Bills uh, are going to be very, very good this year. Now, their opponent uh, tomorrow night, which I said they are the champs, the Los Angeles Rams. And Henry, I know they're your division rival. <laughs> and you're still kind of upset about the championship and everything. Uh, their over-under is 10.5, and, um, and the over is minus 10, under is also minus 110, which is kind of weird um, that they have the same exact odds. But the 10.5 number feels right to me. The division isn't as good as it was last year. Uh, it's still a good division, just not – I wouldn't say it's great like it was in years prior. There's more questions surrounding them. So I think they win the division by default. Um, but I could see 10 and 7 as a realistic possibility. I'm not as confident in the over, but I think it's the right number. Um, Matt, where do you stand on 10.5 for the Rams? I'm going to take the over for a couple of reasons. One, 
the worst team in the NFL plays in this division, um, which is two wins. I'm giving them two wins automatically. To me, and I, the, the big talk will come when the Bears and 49ers game comes up, but is how much do you believe in Trey Lance? Yeah. If, if you think he's going to struggle, obviously the yeah, – I'm not sure if you'd be showing that in a few weeks, sir. Um, in, a, in a few weeks, we could be looking at Jimmy G as a starter, and I like the San Francisco 49ers a lot more with Jimmy G than I do with Trey Lance. But if, if you're a believer in Trey Lance – I think you go the under, but if you don't believe in Trey Lance, this, you know, with the Rams, I, I take the over and I'm going to take the over. I think they could have put the Rams at 11 and a half and I'd still take the over because you got to factor in that they got a healthy backfield this year. Now, you know, they got their running backs back. We'll see if they stay healthy. I like Robert Woods a lot, but if you've studied Allen Robinson and the precision that he runs his routes in, and you pair that with Cooper cup, who is just, a yak machine and just can find every open spot in his own. This team can cut you a million ways and have you bleed to death by paper cuts. And I think that's what's going to happen. And I know a lot of people were concerned about Matthew Stafford's elbow, but I'm not sure if you guys saw that stupid Amazon ball that they were toying with that they said, Oh yeah, we'll play with this. He chucked that thing a hundred yards. So to me, I think Stafford's healthy. I, I love the Rams defense. It's, you know, with that secondary with Jalen Ramsey, and then you got the best defensive player of our lifetime and Aaron Donald, I'm, I'm taking plus 10 and a half every day. Just go ahead and give it to me. I have long-term concerns about Stafford's arm. Uh, the tendonitis is more of a, not as an immediate thing as it could be a problem in December, maybe playing some games in the colder weather. Um, so that's not a given that that's a, uh, for me anyway, that that's just going to be you know, toss to the side uh, as a concern. Uh, Cam Akers also, I know he came back last year, but the Achilles to me is still something I would be a little, eh, I mean, I know he's back, but I, if maybe if he's already back last year, that's an indication that he's fine. But uh, those things typically don't bode well over time either. Um, now, Henry, for you, 10 and a half on the Rams. I know you're probably going to boast about your Niners and have uh, your vote of confidence in them as usual. But as just a football viewer, do you, are you in on the Rams again or not? Oh, I mean, you look at the Rams and on paper, those guys are loaded, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the Odell loss, man. O o no one's talking about Odell not signing with a team yet. I well, think I picked, play until November. So. I, you know, I picked them up in a few fantasy leagues just to have them stashed. I mean, I think losing Odell hurts a lot. I think Odell covered a lot of stink um, from Stafford last year. There's a lot of bad throws. He made a lot of bad decisions. And when you saw the games on national TV, I think a lot of that people saw and were like, holy shit. I saw a lot of that last year. Um that defense is is out of this world, but we see this every year, man. A team goes to the Super Bowl, and one of those two teams always takes a step back. I mean, it's it's like clockwork. I don't think it's going to be the Bengals this year. I think the Rams are going to be the team to take a step back, whether it be due to injury or just losses that they shouldn't have. I think they take a step back, and I'm going to take the under on that 10.5. See, I could just see it being 10, right? I, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. So I, I, the under, and then would be a winner. Yeah, and you mentioned you mentioned Cam Akers, man. I, you know, I think Tyler put a post up earlier in the in the day, and I, I agree with him. Sell early on Cam Akers. I think Cam Akers, it's not a guarantee, man. We don't that that guy's not going to be the same when he comes back, and it's not a guarantee that he's going to be the same. So I, I'm selling high on him if you have him in fantasy, and in real life, don't expect a lot out of him, man. I'm sorry. 
Well, that's yeah. good news for Daryl Henderson Jr. owners then. Who give, me the, is, give me the under, brother. <laughs> you see, here's my thing. We talk about Odell covering a lot of stink. Well, they were also without Robert Woods. So Odell kind of had to step up. Now you're replacing Odell and an injured Robert Woods with Allen Robinson, who I would argue is an upgrade over both. I think Allen Robinson's a more complete football player than Odell is at this point. If you're talking New York Giants, Odell Beckham Jr., it's not even a conversation because that's a top five wide receiver in the NFL. We're talking Achilles, ACLs, whatever other injuries that he suffered. Allen Robinson's an upgrade over that Odell. And I think when we talk about Stafford, Stafford's going to have a lot of easy throws to make because these guys are going to be wide open, twisting corners, ankles all over the place. So that's why I think don't sleep on Allen Robinson having a huge fantasy season either. Like buy him a lot if you can. And Cooper Cup, I mean, is he going to repeat that season? It's almost it's almost impossible no, to repeat that. I mean, yeah. it's uh, unless he's Jerry Rice, you, know? you can't yeah. repeat an historic season and just like, oh, he's going to do this every year. No, I mean, Listen, I mean a there's a season. lot. There's a lot of white wide receivers who is who are hoping for a repeat of that season. Okay, because <laughs> we look, we we have a lot of great white wide receivers in the league, and we're not used to that. So. But uh, I, I, you can't expect that from Cooper Cup. I, I think I'm telling you, they take a step back this year, man. It really can't be overstated the impact Cooper Cup had last year. I think he's a legit MVP yeah, candidate. Absolutely, he won MVP of the Super Bowl. Um, when Odell went down, he was the only threat, and the Bengals still could not stop him. Which yeah. that's a testament. To Teams were double teaming him, and he was still making the catches. He was still getting open on his routes. I mean, yeah. he was something special to watch last season. Uh, absolutely. And I, to your point about Allen Robinson, I think he's going to make a big difference for them as well. Cause I just think he's more consistent than Beckham is at this point in time. Beckham is probably more of an elite playmaker and, and does all these fancy catches and makes up for some of the mistakes that maybe Stafford makes uh, at a higher level than Robinson does, but he's going to make more of the plays on a regular basis that probably Stafford needs more. He's going to be open on slants. He's going to run the precise routes. He's going to be where he needs to be in his spots. And that's going to go a long way. I think for this offense, especially McVay, it's such a timing based offense that's going to go a long way for me. Um, now let's talk about the matchup. The Bills at the Rams, and this stunned me when I look at the line for this game. The Bills are favored by two and a half in Los Angeles for this banner-raising ceremony. That is crazy. So automatically for me, I love the Rams getting points at home here, fired up after a championship. I don't know if they win the game, but I'll take those points all day here for this week one matchup. Henry, I'll start with you. What do you think? Bills win, but LA covers. I'm sorry. It's, it feels like such an easy bet, right? Come on. I mean, I, I know well, that. I do whole... think the Bills win, and I do think that we get the game that we should get on, on opening night. I, I think it's going to be a really good game. Yeah. Matt, I mean, these are two of the best two of the best teams in the league playing in week one. I mean, this should be a great game. Yeah, I, I, I like the matchup a lot. I think it makes a lot of sense. Last year we had Tampa and Dallas, and that was a great game. So I think the trend continues. I'm with you guys. I think it's going to be a great game. I'm going to take the Rams, though. I think the Rams win this. Um, so I like them as an underdog. I bet them heavily. I think the home team has an advantage, especially when you have an East Coast team traveling all the way to the West Coast. It makes a difference. Mm-hmm. I'll say, too, um, not having Tredavious White for this game is going to be massive for the Bills because you're, you're talking about Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson week one. This isn't them at the end of the year carrying the Rams for <laughs> – 
15, 16 weeks. This is them fresh. This is going to be a very difficult task for Buffalo. So I do like the Rams in this one. I think it's going to be a close game. I'll say 27 to 24 LA over the bills. And this is going to be a great game that comes down to the wire. All right. So kickoff tomorrow, NBC can't wait. And then reminder next Thursday, that's when it becomes Amazon prime specifically. And that's the Al Michaels games. So if you're, you know, you can still watch tomorrow's game traditionally on NBC, but it's going to go only to the streaming site um, next week. So, And if you need a place to watch the games, hit me up, people. Hit me up. Shameless plug there for our your listener, <laughs> Hank. So, yeah, hit him up. I mean, if you uh, don't want to pay the prices of cable, which I uh, am not going to advertise for since I work for a cable company. Um, but, you know, it's an option for sure. Okay, guys. So every not- Thursday night game is Amazon, correct? Yes, this one you can watch on Amazon. I'm pretty sure too. I mean, look, every I, I think every household has an Amazon Prime account at this point. You get it free. I mean, come on, it's a no-brainer. I, I don't think all of them are on Amazon Prime though. I think it goes until like week eight or nine. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I, I don't think it goes all season long. Okay, I'll have to look into that. Um, yeah, so just be on the lookout if you can't find the Thursday game. Maybe log into your Prime account. All right, guys, let's go to Sunday. I cannot wait for Red Zone to see Scott Hansen again. I miss him. I just uh, – all five of my fantasy teams are set. The picks have been made. I'm just five. ready to, to yeah. feed my face and drink some beers and enjoy football. I cannot wait. Did you say five? Sorry? You said five fantasy teams? Five fantasy teams. That's the, that's the typical year for me. I can't do any more than five. And honestly, five is probably one too many. I, I'm at three and one of them being your league, which is a pretty deep league. So, yeah, I run a 14 team league. It's pretty competitive. Yeah. yeah um, um, and then I'm an, I'm another 14 teamer and then three other 12s. It's just a lot to keep track of. And it's a lot of guys on different teams and it's you're facing guys that you have in other teams. It's, it's a big mess. Uh, but you, before the season, you get yourself all into it and you love it. And you can't get enough. Um, all right, so the first game we're going to talk about in this early window. Could, would you like to go ahead? I'm sorry, can you – You, my shit came on here. Okay. We're going to start about the early early games on Sunday. It's 1 o'clock games. You got the red zone on. Hanson's ready to go. We're going to talk about an a- NFC South matchup here, and it's going to be the Saints and it's the Falcons. Now, these are two very interesting teams, uh, obviously both in the division, both in different – uh, stages of um, their, I don't know, their existence, I would say. So the, I'm going to start with the Falcons. Matt, I'm going to start with you. One of the, considered to be one of the worst teams in the NFL this year, rolling out Marcus Mariota, quarterback, the post-Matt Ryan era is, has begun. Uh, their over-under on the season is four and a half. Are they really going to be that bad? I mean, the division's not that good. I don't know. I mean, I guess – I mean, they're all the Falcons. They could be a dumpster fire. But, wow, that's a low number. Yeah, um, it is a low number. And I really like this team. I think I had them second in the NFC South. So much little I know about them. But <laughs> offensively, I love what they do. You got Drake London now to pair with Kyle Pitts. And sometimes Matt Ryan kind of felt like wanting more. To me, this feels like a tank year. It's not because they don't have talent. It's just not well-balanced at the quarterback position. I know a lot of people like Marcus Mariota to come in and kind of be that stopgap guy, but I don't think Marcus Mariota is a stopgap guy. I think he's a lower-end backup quarterback in the NFL. He's had a lot of opportunities to show himself. 
this defense is getting better. I think they'll be sneaky average. Um, they'll creep up on a couple of people. But outside of Drake London and um, Kyle Pitts, there's not a lot of talent that wows you or things that, you know what, this guy has potential to be a solid number two. They need help with the receiver position still, and they need help with the running back position. The offensive line's okay. You can win with this offensive line. But defensively, I, I think it's too steep of a hill to climb. And to me, I, I'm going to hammer the under on here. I'll finish over four and a half. I'm going to take in 14. I think you're going to see the rookie uh, from from Cincy in this team at some point this year, for sure. I, I, I mean, Mariota feels like a guy who's going to get hurt at some point, and you're going to get, I think, Spencer uh, Riddler or Rattler is his name. Uh, he looked good in the preseason, so he could be the guy in the future of them. Uh, so I expect to see him and, you know, this could be your classic developmental year for a young quarterback. Uh, and, you know, that way it could just be a wash. And I, I do like Arthur Smith as a head coach. Um, I, like you said, I like Kyle Pitts and, uh, I like, um, Drake London. They obviously picked him as the first wide receiver in the draft. And then next year, you're going to get Calvin Ridley back, who is suspended for the entire season for gambling for some stupid reason. Um, there are plenty of other guys in the league not suspended for doing way worse things, and we'll get to Cleveland in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> 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 but the first, but Calvin Ridley can't play football this year, so I'm, that makes that hurts the Calkins offense um, for quite a bit. But four and a half, Henry, uh, you know, you're looking at uh, minus 120 for the over and plus 100 for the under, and uh, the, the under is juicy enough for me just to take on it. Yeah, this is a layup. I mean, uh, so I'm in a suicide league, right? Mm-hmm. And the first week you have to take two teams and Thanksgiving weekend, you have to take two teams. Okay. One of my two teams is the Saints. I think this is probably one of the few weeks where you can take the Saints in a suicide pool. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if they're the overwhelming favorite that people choose. Uh, I think the Falcons this year is that team that you kind of follow if you're in a suicide pool and that's the team you pick against. Yeah. I don't like anything about the Falcons. Yeah, you have Kyle Pitts. I get it. Jameis, I'm sorry, Jameis Winston for the Saints. I think he can just have a very sneaky good year. A lot of uh, garbage fantasy points. If you're a fantasy player, I would say he may be a good deep, you know, sleeper for you. But the Saints are going to be so-so. The Falcons are going to be absolute trash. They will be at the bottom of the barrel with the Giants, with the Bears and the other teams, with the Seahawks of the world. Um, you know, I'm teasing Matt, which he can't respond because he's kind of frozen right now, so it's even better. <laughs> but yeah, you, if you got anybody going against the Falcons, just choose the other team. Uh, I think this is going to be a blowout, too. Uh, you'll probably see the Saints drop 30 plus points, and yeah. I'd be shocked if the Falcons scored 14. So I was considering the Saints for my survivor pool. Uh, I ultimately went with the Ravens. Um, I can still have time to change it. He might have swayed me a little bit, but division games I try to stay away from, especially in week one. I get it. But I mean, if you look at the same schedule, there's not a lot of games that you're going to look at them and say, this is the week I picked them. And to me, this is that week for them. Yeah. And I, I like the Saints quite a bit. And uh, I think Vegas gave you a wonderful number here. Um, the Saints on the season over under is eight and a half. Uh, and the eight and a half, it, uh, the over is minus one thirty, and the under is plus one ten. Um, look, yeah, I think kinda, I think the division is kind of booty. Uh, the Bucks are are obviously the team everyone's going to choose, but it wouldn't shock me if the Saints won this division. So for me, the over on the Saints feels uh, right, and I would I think that they're going to cruise to ten wins in that division, Henry. I don't know what you think, but really? if, you know, if Jameis comes back, 
uh, normal. I, I think they're a lot to be a wild card team in the NFC because I think the NFC is super weak, and I just think the Saints have a good roster. So I even with James, I, I, I could see them playing for a wild card. I, I just don't. I don't know if I can get behind them winning ten games, man. All right, so eight and a half. You don't like it as much? I, I, I don't. Okay. Matt Bushnell, I guess you're the decider here. Eight and a half for the New Orleans. It's a big number for this football team. Um, I, I think their defense has gotten worse offensively. Um, this Alvin Kamara situation, that's kind of hanging over the head. They don't know where they're going to pursue it. Apparently, there's some misconduct allegations against him. So, to me, it's whether you trust Jameis Winston. I will say this. I thought they drafted the best wide receiver in this year's draft in Chris Olive. He's the most precise route runner. He's going to make a difference along with Michael Thomas. And if nothing happens to Kamara, it's almost like Winston has too many weapons to fail. You know, it's kind of like a similar situation we saw in Tampa Bay where he did throw 30 touchdown passes and 30 interceptions, but he had weapons and it was a competitive football team to a certain point. Uh, to me, it feels a lot kind of like that opportunity. I think the eight and a half is a perfect number. And Vegas is going to make money off of this one way or the other. And to me, I'm going to take the over. I think they get to nine wins just because of how bad Atlanta is and Carolina will be as well. So I think by default, New Orleans will be the second place team in this division. Therefore, I think they get the over. I mean, they have owned Tampa since Brady has been there too. I mean, I, I know that, you know, Peyton's not there anymore, but it, it really has been the defense that has gotten to the Bucks. So to me, even if they split with Tampa, that's five wins just in their division alone. So I love the the over for them. And I, I love the offense. If Michael Thomas can come back to form with Kamara, like you said, Olave is, I love Olave. He's so smooth. And then Jarvis Landry, no one even mentions, but he's their third slot. He's a slot receiver there um, that I think can make a little bit of a difference as well. Obviously didn't go well in Cleveland, but I like that uh, the offensive situation for him. I think losing Sean Payton is a little bit of a, of a knock for me. I, I, I'm not taking that lightly. I think Sean Payton is a hell of a coach, um, but I do think the Saints are good enough, especially in a really bad NFC. Like we're going to go down the line. The NFC is not very good, um, that they're good enough to to make a playoff spot and I, not even necessarily win the division, which I don't hate that either, um, but I do think that they're good enough to make the postseason. So for this matchup in particular, you got Saints, at Falcons, New Orleans, favored by five and a half. And I'm, I'm Henry, I'm sure you already, you know, you already kind of explained it, but uh, give me New Orleans all day at that number. Yeah. Matt, Matt, you. I'm sorry, what was that? The Saints are getting five and a half in Atlanta. Uh, you, you like the Saints there? I'll take the Falcons to cover the Saints to win. Wow. All right. So that's what I mean. Competitive football early on. Divisional game. I don't, I don't, I don't hate that. You just don't Blow know. It's out. week one. Blowout. <laughs> hmm. Arthur All Smith right. is too good of a coach. I will say that. I like Arthur Smith, and that's the X factor. I, I do like Arthur Smith quite a bit as well. Um, so I'm with you on that part of it. All right, let's go to another divisional matchup to start off the year in another early game. It is the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers at Asurion Stadium. Actually, no, it is in Cincinnati. I lied. Uh, it's going to be <laughs> down there in southern Ohio, Matt's favorite place in the world. He's going to go get some Skyline Chili to celebrate. Uh, <laughs> but the AFC representative for the Super Bowl is back, and I think the, the Bengals are a much improved football team on top of it. Um, 
Look, the uh, the AFC North should be an interesting division this year. And I think the Bengals, which I don't think anyone saw us happening last year, could be the cream of the crop of it. Uh, the over-under on the season for the Bengals sits at nine and a half. Um, I, I think it's a good number, but you're coming off of a team making the Super Bowl. I understand the narrative surrounding teams that lose the Super Bowl, how they fall off a cliff. But I think the Bengals got better. I think they improved their offensive line. I think they made improvements on the defensive side of the ball and their offense If all things clicking, they're a wagon. So Matt, nine and a half for the Bengals on the season. What do you think? This is my biggest shock of the whole season. We'll be right here. They're going to go under. Wow. Yeah. I, I think when we take a look at that division, I like Pittsburgh a lot. I like Baltimore a lot and Cleveland. When Watson comes back, it kind of transforms that team a little bit. I'm not sure how good Watson will be in, you know, that's a different story for different times. But with Cincinnati, I, I still worry about Burrow always looking for the big play. And keep in mind, the thing that bothers me, they should have never been in the Super Bowl. And th- there's 10 different ways the Chiefs should have won that game, but they didn't. Burrow still holds onto the ball too long. We saw it in Cincinnati and the Super Bowl against the Rams. He started holding on to the ball, starting to try to take deep shots. And the line couldn't hold up, even though it's improved. Burrow's one of those guys that will look, wait to the last second to pull the trigger. And sometimes that's good, and sometimes that's bad. But we're talking about a guy that's not there, – there's, there's a history of injuries there with him. So I just don't like – I hate the Super Bowl loser combined with the quarterback that holds onto a football a little bit longer than what you would like from a big-time quarterback. I, I'm just not in love with the team. Do you think part of the reason he held on to the ball so long, though, was like trying to, you know, backpedal and buy a little bit of time with the bad offensive line? Like, I, I think now there's going to be a little bit more confidence there up front in, in the blocking. I, I, I think a lot of it had to do with play design, trying to hit the deep routes with Jamar Chase and um, Tyler Boyd and, oh, God, I'm forgetting the other guy, Higby. T. Uh, Higgins. T. Higgins. Yeah, T. Higgins. I think a lot of it was that trying to hold on to the ball so they could get open. And a lot of those plays are long developing plays when you try to get deep. And a lot of offensive lines struggle when you have to try to make that much time up. Now, they were bad. There's no doubt about it. But there's no guarantee that they'll be better. I think they will be better than last year's. But still, I, I see some issues here. And I think teams will be able to game plan against Chase a little bit better than they have in the past. Yeah. I think it's fair to about the division. I think the, the North is going to be a little bit better. I think the Steelers, I know they limped into the playoffs, but they were not very good. The Ravens didn't have Lamar for the last month of the season. And the Browns just became a mess with the Baker situation towards the end. So I think the division will be much improved, at least on the Steelers and Ravens fronts. So I think that is certainly a fair uh, analysis there. Um, Hank, I mean, you said that the Rams are going to be the team that falls off, not the Bengals. So are you on this uh, nine and a half number? I, I think they'll win 10 plus games. I mean, look, I, I'm big on the Bengals. I think Joe Burrow took that step last year that we probably expected Justin Herbert to take, right? I think coming in, everyone had Herbert and then Burrow right below him. And I think they kind of flip flopped a little, although, I mean, if it's me, give me either one. <laughs> but I mean, Joe Burrow kind of just, he had this whole mini fucking lore going with him all postseason. And and look, like Matt said, he holds on to the ball. But when you got fucking Jamar Chase back there, you throw it up and, and he's going to catch everything. We, we saw Jamar Chase pull balls out of his ass all season. You have Burrow, who's probably top five quarterback, right? Jamar Chase, probably top five wide receiver. They have Joe Mixon. That wide receiver core, 
that that tight end, I mean, they, they have a lot of a lot of weapons. I don't know that they did enough on the offensive line. Um hopefully they did what they could, but I, I that that offense is just is just too, too damn exciting. It's like the Chad Ocho Cinco days, man. I, I'm sorry. I'm 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 really high on the Bengals and I think they push Baltimore for that division lead all year. Yeah, I love the number nine and a half. I think they get ten wins. I'm not saying it'll be easy, but I do think ten wins is the is the 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 line there for them. Um, and we'll see how the Ravens do because I do I, I have a ton of respect for Lamar and I, I think the, the world of him. I, I don't think the Steelers quarterback situation is going to get them there, but I do think they will be better because it's going to be hard to be worse than the corpse of Big Ben was last year. Personally, uh, however, uh, the Steelers now they are they have announced Matt. This is big news. Your boy uh, Mitchy Biscuits, Mitch Trubisky, uh, going to be the starting quarterback there in Pittsburgh, uh, and their over under and- sits at. And one of the captains. And one of the captains uh, for the Steelers. Uh, and their over-under sits at seven and a half. Now, maybe I don't love the Mitch thing, um, but he's obviously a veteran quarterback at this point. He has experience. He's not going to destroy them on a week-to-week basis. I think they have one of the best coaching staffs in the league. I mean, Tomlin's been around forever. But I also love the addition of Flores to the defense. <laughs> um, I won't even talk about that, but just having a guy who was already one of the best head coaches in the league Join your staff. I think that goes a long way. I think they're very talented with their receivers. Uh, Najee Harris is absolute stud in the backfield. Fryer Muth to me is an underrated tight end. I like their pieces. The O line is kind of meh, but the defense I think has potential with Watt, um, and the secondary is very good as well. So the Steelers ha- certainly have a talented roster, some flaws, but overall I think seven and a half is a good number for them. Matt, where do you stand on the Steelers in 2022? I'm high on the Steelers. I think this is your AFC North division winner. I, I think what they can do um, with Watt probably winning the Defensive Player of the Year award, I think he's on that cusp where, you know, we see a guy win a couple of these in a row when they reach that career pinnacle, and I think Watt's there. The, the big guy that no one's talking about, and I would take Pittsburgh's wide receiver for uh, probably over Cincinnati's. They don't have a player like Chase, but the depth is so much better. One through five, the Steelers have better wide receivers. The offensive rookie of the year is going to come off of this team in George Pickens. I'm not sure if you guys have paid attention to Pickens, but this guy has been unreal throughout preseason, and he is fantastic. To me, it's like it's all on Trubisky at this point because I know a lot of Chicago fans will say that, you know, it was 50-50 between him and Nagy. And we're going to find out a lot about Trubisky without having Nagy. I think what we saw from Trubisky in his limited time with the Bills playing was he's able to play a little bit freer. He's talked about that, how his mind has been more opened up. And where in Chicago, he had to like throw it to a specific guy. Like he couldn't make that decision. It was already pre-planned out. You throw to this guy at this depth, that's it. Don't throw it to anybody else. So with him going to Buffalo, he talked about he learned that, okay, I can throw it to, I can take a shot. Let's go ahead and try to beat double coverage over the top. And I think with him being able to have that freedom, I think we'll see a better Trubisky. But to me, Pittsburgh's in a pretty good situation here because Kenny Pickett looked awfully good. And there was some spots where you looked at Pickett and like, man, this guy might be, be able to start day one. And I think Pittsburgh's in a very good quarterback situation. Biggest thing with Pittsburgh is their offensive line. It feels like this is the division that we talk about. We hammer home like 
you know, it's black and blue. They play each other tough, but we talked about the Bengals and now we talk about the Steelers and the same issue plagues, plugs both these teams and that the, the offensive line is poor for both these teams. And the Steelers are going to have to shore that up, but I don't think they did enough either. But I like Pittsburgh with the over. I think they end up with 11 wins this year. Wow, 11 wins. So our friend Leon Tompkins in the comments asks, uh, Pickett starts before or after week eight. And if they're as competitive as you say they are, there's no way they bench Mitch for Pickett that early, right? Yes and no. I think Tomlin has the cachet to do it if he wants to. And it just depends how they look. Their defense is good enough to carry them a couple of wins. If, if they don't like what they see out of Mitch, but they're still winning football games, they could go to Pickett. That defense is that good. I think it's important to know, too, Mason Rudolph was higher on the depth chart than Pickett, but I think that's just a formality. I don't think that really means much. Um, Henry, Pickett's number two now, isn't he? He, he yeah. might have been. I know he, he is. He is number two. Yeah. Okay, it was Rudolph at first. Um, all right, so, yeah, maybe Pickett will be in there eventually. Um, Henry, seven and a half for the Steelers. Um, what do you make of that number? And uh, Leon's question, when do you think Pickett gets to start, if at all? So th this is one of those spots where I think, first of all, I think Matt, being back in the Chicago area, probably got his hands on some recreational marijuana by saying he takes the Steelers wide receivers over the Bengals. He is smoking, 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 eating edibles, drinking, because there's no way I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiving court over the Bengals. You're nuts. Deontay Johnson, Chase Clay. I like Deont George Pickens. I'm not taking that over. I'm not taking that over. We got Chase, Higgins, Boyd, and then you have Hayden Hurst. No way. No way. No, not doing I like it Pittsburgh's before. better overall. Uh, I'll, I'll give you Chase. Chase is the best out of all of them by a mile. Chase may be the best wide receiver at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, I, I do think that division is tough. I, I think, you know, they're going to steal a lot of wins from one another. Um, what was the over under? Seven and a half, you said? Seven and a half. I mean, my gut wants to say eight. Nines, I'll go over, but you know, I think that division is definitely going to be tougher than everyone thinks. Um, I still think Cincinnati. I'm I'm taking Cincinnati to win that division. Well, but, we'll get to the predictions in a little bit, but uh, sorry, I'm excited, now, man. It is it's been a long time, you know. Sorry. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. Some of our predictions have already been known. Uh, yeah, yeah. Pause. We can get through those quicker. Um, you know where I'm and, going. So, okay, Nick Tomlin has never had a losing record in his tenure as Steelers head coach. He's never been below 500. He's been 8-8 eight eight or better every year since 07 or whatever year it was that he became coach. That's going to continue. I just don't think they're going to be a great team. So I think they're going to go 9-8, and eight, and I, that, that way uh, I take the over on the 7.5. So uh, I, I just think Tomlin is too good of a coach to let this flop. I don't care who the quarterback is. He's going to find a way to uh, – to, to, to win some games, even if it's ugly, he's going to find by, a way. By the way, Randy, good good mention on Brian Flores. I, I think he's going to make a hell of a difference, and he's only there one year before he gets another job. 100%. He's going to get a job very quickly again next year. Um, now, the, this game, the Bengals and Steelers, this uh, line is pretty big, um, surprisingly. It's the Bengals minus six and a half at home. You know, I, I know that everyone's in on the Bengals and everything, but that's a big number for a division rival for a Steelers team that's not bad. And to me, it's not – I don't get how this line is bigger than the Saints and Falcons line. So, I have to take the points here and, and think the Steelers cover. I'll, I'll say the Bengals win, but the Steelers cover. Henry, what do you think? I'm with you. Uh, close game. I'm thinking this might be a field goal game. You know, Matt? I'm taking the Steelers to win. I, I, I got the Steelers 
Is Burrow still dealing with the appendicitis issue? Mm, I don't know. It's a good call, though. TJ, why? I am not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'll have to – someone in the comments if you want to look that up and, yeah. and let us know. TJ, why can give him another one? Oh, boy. TJ, why owes Nick full uh... – <laughs> <laughs> all right um you know what i'm very happy that leon tompkins is watching our show right now because it is time for him to talk about his hard knocks starring top five offensive potential detroit lions now this is his words not mine i don't think the detroit lions are gonna have a top five offense with jared goff a quarterback by any means but the optimism around the lions is there i make no mistake about it i think that people like the surrounding cast including myself i shouldn't say people i do like what they have around jared goff i think they have a really good offensive line I really like Amon Ross St. Brown. Once Jamison Williams gets healthy, I think that is a really good wide receiver core. They treat DeAndre Swift and Hard Knocks as if he is the second coming of Adrian Peterson. I don't know if he's that good. I like him, but they treat him as if he is one of the best of the best. Um, so they value him in that way. Aiden Hutchinson, second overall draft pick, is going to add a pass rush element to this team. Uh, I like the Lions more than I probably should. And, you know, Vegas has the over-under on the Lions at six and a half. I don't know if I have the balls to take the over on the six and a half, but six feels right to me. Now, Matt Bushnell, this is your division. You're not probably not nearly as high on the, on the Lions as everyone else is, but what do you make of the six and a half number for Detroit? Any team without Sean McVay and Jared Goff is a bad mix for me. I just, I can't get behind it with the quarterback and we could talk about all the weapons he's had. This is the same guy I've seen throw a ball straight up in the air and get intercepted by a defensive tackle in Chicago. So I, I just, golf makes too many idiotic mistakes and it's not a clean football team. They, they don't play a clean style of football to win consistently. And maybe that's the next step. I kind of feel like Dan Campbell's a bridge coach now. I kind of get that feeling. I, I think he's good enough to get you competitive. I don't think he's good enough to get you, you know, a couple of playoff wins into an NFC championship. It just doesn't feel that way. So I think they'll have to get an upgraded coach. I think they'll have to get an upgraded quarterback. But man, you talk about building the infrastructure for when that time comes, it's gonna be a hot job that people want. And it's if they can get a quarterback, you know, it's a type of team where you start trading draft capital to move up in the draft to get a guy. But I, I don't see more than six wins for this team. So I'm taking the under. I, I think they finish around between four and six wins. Yeah, six, like I said, feels right to me. Uh, Henry, six and a half for the Lions. I think they are a much improved football team, but still, I, I think maybe a, a playoff hopeful is a little too much for me. I think they have some talent on that team, um, but I have two names. I'll say two names. Jared Goff, Nate Sudfeld. That's QB1 and QB2. <laughs> but let's be real, they're not going anywhere. I think the most exciting things about the Lions this year is happening right now, and it's on HBO, and that's Hard Knocks. I haven't seen it yet, but everyone I know that has seen it says it's a really, really good season of Hard Knocks. So I'll probably binge it. Uh, Leon, I love you, brother, but you're shooting your load right here, and it's with Hard Knocks. It's not with this NFL season coming up. It's a weird season of Hard Knocks because every season of Hard Knocks I've ever watched, they they talk a lot about the quarterback. They go out of their way to not care about Jared Goff at all. And maybe because he's been a part of two Hard Knocks seasons already, like the first Rams year with with uh, Jeff Fisher and then the combined Chargers year, they, they talk a lot about Goff. He's just 
not that interesting of a guy. He's just a surfer dude from California who's playing in cold Detroit in a dome. Like he's just not. You would think they would bring in a a viable backup quarterback. Nate Sudfeld. Come on, man. Well, I didn't even know about Sudfeld because in the season they talk about David Blau and uh, another guy that they cut already, you know, fighting for the backup spot. So in the in the season they say David Blau is the backup. No, it's so Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, I mean it's not great, uh, not great. I mean to me, Dan Campbell steals the show for Hard Knocks. He is a freak. Like I, he could still, it looks like he could still suit up and play. Like he's ginormous and he's very intimidating and he's got a great personality. And, yeah. and honestly, the He'll be intimidated when Brian Flores comes for his job. That would be surprising, but it'd probably be an upgrade on the coaching front. So, sorry, Leon. Sorry. It's just, you know, it's just the truth. Now, they're uh, the Lions opponent. They, they draw a tough card here in the beginning of the year. They play the Philadelphia Eagles. And let me just say, the hype for the Eagles has grown immensely over the last few weeks. People are all in on the Philly bandwagon. I hate Philly with every fiber of my being, but I get it. They have a very talented roster. I really, really think that from top to bottom, outside of – I understand the flaws of the quarterback position, but, man, do they have guys at every level that are, not, if not elite, pro ball potential players. I mean, they have a very, very good team, and it scares me. And Vegas loves them too because their over-under is nine and a half. And if they're over, I think they win the NFC East. So, Henry, you take a look at the Eagles – Jalen Hurts, I'm all in on fantasy. Not sure I'm all in in real life, but it still could be good enough to win this division, which might not be very good. Nine and a half, you, you like the over or the under? I like that. I like the division they play, and I think they. I'm taking the over on that. And it's funny because I think we spoke about Philly way earlier, and like you said, there's just this, this bandwagon hype machine that's kind of taking storm on, on the internet and with the sports writers in the last three weeks or so. So you kind of when everyone does that, you kind of want to go against it. But I can see it in this case. I can see it. I can see them winning that division. I, I'm not a, a lot of people are, are shy on Hertz. I kind of like Hertz. And I think, you know, in the right situation, he can do well. And I think this is the right situation. And you're right. He is going to be Matt even said something about top five fantasy quarterback in, in the chat. So I, I can see that, too. Um, he runs. He's He's got some good receivers. I can see it happening, and I, and I think Philly, you know, they'll, they'll go over on that. I mean, trading for A.J. Brown is legit. I think he is a true number one to go with Devontae Smith. They traded away the, – they did the ultimate troll move where they – honestly, the Vikings did it more, but they trapped Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson, and then they traded Jalen Rager to the Vikings to play behind Justin Jefferson. So Jalen Rager's probably like, what the hell, man? Um, he's going to see Jefferson gritty in the end zone. Like, What, what do you think about Miles Sanders? the guy just hasn't ever been able to really put it together. I don't know if he has bad vision because the Eagles typically have a good offensive line. He is like allergic to scoring touchdowns. He gets injured at the worst possible times. I don't know what to make of the guy, to be honest with you. I'm glad because I feel like his name is bigger than what you're getting from him. Like, you know what you can get from him, but what you actually get from him, it's not there. And I feel like they need another running back there. I think between him and Gainwell, um, and they add Boston Scott, who always kills the Giants for some whatever stupid reason, and then Hurts, like their rushing attack is. They is also awesome. picked up Forty uh, Er boss Trey Sermon. Did they? All yeah. right, that's it. That's interesting. Um, so I, the Eagles are very interesting to me, uh, and and 
Miles Sanders is a guy I stay away from in fantasy. He, he always falls for a reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just let him fall. Don't don't be the guy that takes him. You're gonna be very frustrated. Um, Matt Bushnell, you already kind of made your thoughts known on this in one of our group chats today. But nine and a half for Philly. Um, the over is a one minus one forty five. The under is plus one twenty five. I can't imagine any scenario where you're taking the under on them. No, I'm, I'm taking the over on the Eagles. I'm the biggest is not even the AJ Brown. It's what they got going on with defense. I love their defense, and I think that's getting underplayed here. They're going to be able to hold teams in that division to under 20 points a game, uh, you know, probably 17 points a game under that as well. But offensively, you take a look at it, and it's just how stubborn is Sirianni going to be with Sanders? Like, do you want to play him? Because I think with running backs, we talk about all the time. I mean, you can find one. It's not a position where you go into a season like, oh, man, I don't have a running back. What are we going to do here? I mean, you see teams in fantasy football win with a guy that just came off, you know, out of nowhere practice squads. Raheem Moster um, comes to mind where he joined the 49ers and all of a sudden he just looked like a different type of running back and then follow-up year he got hurt. So to me, you know, it doesn't have to be Sanders. I just don't know how stubborn they're going to be, but you talk about the wide receiver core with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. You talk about a perfect complement of wideouts. A.J. Brown's that big body wide receiver where – you know, all Hurts has to do is chuck it up and let his guy go get it. And then you talk about Smith, who's just so elusive and slinky, and he can just cut in and out of breaks really smooth. I mean, it's it's a really dangerous combination for defenses that they're going to have to choose how they want to play these teams or play the Eagles. So I, I like them a lot. I'm, I'm going to hammer the over. You know, I, I'd probably say I'd be shocked if they don't get 12 wins in the NFC. And then you throw Dallas Goddard into the mix as well. Yeah. I mean, he had the offense too. He's a very big athletic tight end there. And, uh, and, their, just... off- yeah, and their offensive line is sneaky, really good. That is a solid yeah. offensive line they're going to put together out there. And uh, to your point about the, uh, the defense, the secondary on top of how, how deep they are up front, the secondary, their starting corners, for example, are Darius Slay. <laughs> They're pay- James Bradbury is being paid by the Giants to play for them. <laughs> it was James Bradbury is pretty good for the Giants the last couple of years. And then they just traded for CJ Gardner Johnson. Now he's probably going to play more of a safety role for them, but they're going to be very good at all levels. That's what I mean. Like they they don't have very many weaknesses for Philly. And I think over on the nine and a half uh, makes a ton of sense considering their division and their schedule. And uh, I think I saw that they don't leave the East coast at all, or them or the Steelers don't leave the, the East coast. Yeah, which is wild. <laughs> At but, all, you know, all season? All yep. season. They don't leave the time zone. 11 so, wins, baby. That's why it's that's that's that division. I want to schedule like that. <laughs> well, when you play out west, you're screwed anyway. You have to yeah, travel. You don't have seriously. Um, all right, so the, you got the Lions uh, hosting the, the Philadelphia Eagles, and you can kind of tell by – how we feel about both these teams, uh, where we're going to go here. But the line on this one is only Philly minus four. Uh, I feel like Philly's going to cruise to a victory here. I like them by at least 10. Uh, what do you guys think? It just my issue with golf pops up into this one because I think that Detroit can be competitive and not covered because of a Jared Goff interception or fumble because he just makes some dumb mistakes. Um, he, he reminds me of another quarterback that I hated, and I can't quite come up with the name. But it's always like you're just holding your breath every time he's, he has the football, and I hate that in the quarterback. So I think the Eagles cover the four. So you're talking okay. four on the road? I mean, that's that's pretty big, right? Four on the road? That would be in seven, neutral ground seven. I mean, 
Well, I trust Jared Goff, baby. Trust Jared Goff. Not you have Nate Sudfeld, brother. <laughs> Give me the Eagles in a fucking blowout, man. Leon, greatest show on turf, part two. Uh, <laughs> if, if somehow Jared Goff turns into Kurt Warner overnight, uh, I will uh, certainly eat some crow on that one, but uh, I have my doubts. That's uh, not happening. All right. <laughs> uh, so Body look, work man. is too big. Unless he starts bagging groceries, goes to the CFL, makes a whole return, does all that. Um, all right, another divisional matchup. We have a lot of divisional matchups week one. It's typical oh, wow. way the NFL does the schedules, but we still saw a lot of good games to go. <clears throat> but we're going to go to the AFC East, the team I'm not too far from, as I already said, the New England Patriots. Now, I have worked in New England now for about four or five months, and I have never in my life heard Patriots fans talk the way they have talked this offseason. And I just got to say, if you're a Patriots fan in this group and you're listening to this podcast, welcome to football fandom that the rest of us have had to experience. The fairy tale is over. Brady's gone. You're not winning any more Super Bowls anytime soon. It's done. Welcome and to football purgatory. This is what it's like. You go into a season, you're trying to talk yourself into it, but you know you don't really have that much confidence in what's actually about to happen. So the New England Patriots open their season in Miami against the Dolphins. And for a season total, Vegas has the Pats at eight and a half. Now, Henry, I'll start with you first. But my first thought when it comes to the Patriots is that their offensive coordinator is a combination of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. I'm taking that under, and I'm not even thinking twice about it. I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I we I still don't know what to expect from from uh, Mac Jones, right? He was no. kind of babied and coddled, and you know, and carried all season. I mean, he made the throws he needed to make, but they weren't big throws. Let's call them the the Jimmy G throws, you know. No. Um, I, I I'm not I'm not buying this team this year. I, I just I can't do it. I don't like their running game. Damian Harris, I'm not a fan of. I know a lot of people like him. I am not a fan of him. Um, I, I'm not feeling the Patriots. Um, everyone is high on the Dolphins. I, I don't want to like the Dolphins because I don't like the way they did Brian Flores. But, you know, they, they go ahead and they bring my man Mike McDaniel along, and then they have all that talent in the world. I kind of like the Dolphins this year, man. I'm digging the Dolphins. I think they're going to make some some strides. Um, this is a big year for Tua, right? Like, tank for Tua. Like, we, we need to see something out of this guy. And and I don't know if he's going to underthrow Tyreek Hill. What the over-under should be is how many times he's going to underthrow Tyreek Hill. So, uh, let's see. I, I like the Dolphins in this game. I like the Dolphins during the season. What? The Dolphins over-under. I'll just get right into it with you, Hank. It's eight and a half. Same as the Pats number. They play in the division with the Jets, right? Yes, they do. <laughs> so I'll take the over on that. <laughs> all right, Matt. Um, so Henry's taking the Dolphins all over across the board here. But let me get your thoughts on the Patriots first, because I cannot believe Bill Belichick is putting his young quarterback in this situation. Now, despite what you think about Mac Jones, and I think he's pretty limited. They are not putting him in a situation to succeed at all. I've never seen anything like it. It's almost self-sabotage at this point. I'm sorry. All I hear on national TV is what the Bears did to Justin Fields, and everyone just ignores the Patriots. I would argue the Patriots are in a worse spot than the Bears are this year, and I'm going to give you a couple examples as to why. Tell me, can you name two of their wide receivers without looking it up? Kobe Myers and uh, Devontae Parker. That's only because you live there, but besides the I, point. Look, I, I would have guessed the same, too. One, because there's a running Jacoby and Myers joke in New York where he's named after a law firm, and Devontae Parker because he's Devontae Parker. But, yeah, I would have guessed the same, too. 
I mean, look, it's not a very talented football team at the end of the day when it comes to skill position players. It's like, all right, we're just going to rely on our defense. But your defense isn't that great either. And I think that's some things that people are ignoring because if you remember last year when the old try-hard Patriots played Josh Allen in the high-octane Buffalo Bills, what, we saw six straight touchdowns before the Patriots were able to put a point on the board? Asshole. Yeah. They played twice in the last three weeks, one in New England in the playoff game. I don't think the Bills punted more than once. Yeah, so there's nothing to hang your hat on here. The Patriots, I I don't know how it's going to play for the Jets. We can get to the Jets. That's a confusing situation. That's been a confusing situation in New York for a long time, or New Jersey, depending on how you want to look at it. To me, I'm I'm taking the under. I, I don't see the Pats getting to eight wins. I don't see the Pats getting to seven wins. I would be shocked if they can string together enough good performances to get to six wins because you're talking about an offense with incredibly dumb concepts. And I'm going to plug JT O'Sullivan's quarterback school here. He did a breakdown of Mac Jones and the Patriots, their last preseason game. No separation. There was nobody open. And it's like they're relying on Mac Jones to be an athlete. That wasn't the quarterback coming out of the draft that was going to be the athlete. He just he wasn't that guy. So I don't know. I, it's almost like Bill Belichick is in the stubborn phase. Well, I can win with anything. Well, keep in mind, even Tom Brady had Gronk and he had Randy Moss, Wes Welker, Julian Edelman. I mean, those were decent enough weapons to get by. And Tom Brady was just the next level quarterback. Mac Jones isn't Brady. And none of those guys on that offensive team will be on this team. I'll go as far as to say this. There's not a player on this Patriots roster that will be on the team when the Patriots win another Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And it's crazy I'm giving credit to Josh McDaniels, but at least they had a system when he was there. Yeah. They don't have anything right now. It's crazy. They're relying on Mac Jones to have almost Josh Allen's arm strength, and he just doesn't. No. He's forcing balls into windows that he cannot actually get the ball to. So I think they're just setting themselves up for failure big time. I actually forgot they have Nelson Aguilar. They paid Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne a lot of money in the offseason last year, along with Hunter Henry and John Smith. I'm a fan of Kendrick Bourne, but that's, you know, more sentimental reasons, not football player. Kendrick Bourne's a diamond dozen in this league. For sure. Matt, now I want to get your thoughts on the Dolphins, also at eight and a half. Uh, You know, they add Tyreek Hill. Um, Mike McDaniel is the head coach now. I I think that they were going to originally try to use Hill like Debo, you know, like the Niners used Debo last year. I don't think that's the worst plan ever, but I also think it's a recipe to get Tyreek Hill a little hurt. I don't know. I don't necessarily love the game plan with him. I don't think he's built quite like Debo is built. Um, But overall, I like the Dolphins roster. I think they have a talented defense. Um, but the question remains at the quarterback position is Tua Tungavailoa a guy you can trust? And, you know, for me, I, I, I'm not that confident, to be honest. You know, I would have felt a lot better if it wasn't that late season game where it's like they kept on pushing and he started making strides. And I'm like, I'm starting to buy Tua stock a little bit. And then he lays an absolute egg, just a terrible performance in a game that they had to win. <sighs> This may be one of the top three most talented teams in the NFL. I mean, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Mike Gusecki, they got weapons. And then the offensive line is really, really good. And then that defense is almost like a no-name defense because they are excellent. But when you talk about the quarterback position, it kind of feels like, you know, how can I say the things about Detroit that I said about Detroit if I can't say the same things about Miami that I'm about to say about Miami? 
I think they get over just because I think the Patriots and the Jets are going to be that bad of a football team um, that they're going to trot out there. And I think the Dolphins have an okay enough schedule to chalk up some easy wins here. It's not the NFC, but I think the Dolphins get to nine or 10 wins um, before the season's over with. Yeah, I'm going to go over on Miami, but I think it's literally nine. <laughs> I don't see it being any more than that. They don't feel like a 10-win team to me. Two, two I, things I real quick. You left out Chase Edmonds. I, I love him. Yep. Um, and too. I, I didn't realize Teddy Bridgewater was their backup, and I, I think I really like that. Yeah, your boy Mostert's going to be the backup, too. Yeah. And I'm yeah. saying Bridgewater Bridgewater's going to back up, too, and I, I really like that. And he's good enough to get you to a dance, but he ain't bringing anybody home with him. Yeah. Yeah. They also signed the tackle from the Saints to uh, Armstead. So the offensive line is going to be much improved, too, as long as that guy can stay healthy. I know he had injury concerns in the past. Um, All right. So we got the Pats in Miami. They historically uh, play terrible in Miami. But I wonder how much Brian Flores had to do with that. I I think he's the one Belichick disciple that is actually a a competent coach. Um, So I think that had some kind of impact. But we got Miami favored by three. Uh, I'm going to take Miami just because I think this Pats offense is an absolute disaster. And I think Miami's going to turn the ball over a few times. And I think they win, you know, by six maybe. Uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to take Miami and, and they cover here. So uh, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I like Miami in a blowout. I, I could see Miami putting up 30 points this game, kind of make a statement early on. So give me Miami 30, Patriots 17. Mm-hmm. I'm going the exact same score, 30-17. Uh, Mike McDaniel has a chance to run up the score late and he'll take his chance to do it. We're going to get some early season Belichick hot butt conversations. It's going to be fun. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe first time ever Belichick's on the hot seat. Uh, He is almost 70 now, so we could be approaching the end for one of the, the best to ever do it. All right. And staying in the division in the AFC East, we got the New York Jets. Uh, playing their home game in New Jersey at MetLife Stadium, uh, welcoming in the Baltimore Ravens. Now, Henry, maybe you could speak to this better than me, but Sunday is 9-11, so I personally love that at least one of the teams gets to play a home game uh, in New York and in honor that day 21 years later. So maybe uh, the Jets will do a nice job with that. I would rather the Giants because I trust them to do a better job with something like this. They do nostalgia and history better than the Jets do, but um, I think this is something that not even the Jets uh, could, could screw up maybe i'm giving them too much credit i don't know um but as far as the football game flacco starting and you know we can talk about that however hank we'll get into the over under for the jets five and a half uh for the over under and it's it's interesting so if you look at the schedule for a last place schedule it is one of the most difficult ones i've seen for a team this bad i it's just it's crazy how many difficult games they have i think the giants and the jets are gonna race for the back pages of the new york sports and not for good reasons I think one team's going to be bad. I think one team's going to be worse. I don't trust the Jets or the Giants on 9-11. You said the Giants do this stuff. Well, I disagree. Do I need to bring up the Eli Manning ceremony last year where they didn't even air it? Well, that was more a Fox. That wasn't I'm the just Giants. saying. Uh, and that did was, they lose that, that game and get the ass whooped? Well, they yeah, the team stinks. That's not, <laughs> that doesn't mean they don't do the ceremony well. <laughs> Look, I, I don't like these teams playing on 9-11. I'm going to say what I said before. The Yankees and the Mets are the only teams that should be playing each other on 9-11 every year, no matter what. Baseball brought the city back. It's going to always be baseball. Those two teams should always play on 9-11. But the FDNY, the FDNY and the NYPD caps, 
That's what should happen. The Jets, I'm sure they'll do they're, – they're, they do ceremonies well, so they're going to do a nice ceremony. They're going to honor it. Fans are going to always respect it. Then the game is going to start, and they're going to get their asses absolutely handed to them. That's what's going to happen. Okay, all the old women who came out to see my man Zach Wilson, they're not going to be there because Zach Wilson – so all these old MILFs are not going to be in the stands. Everybody's going home early. This is going to be an ass-whooping, an absolute ass-whooping. Like I said, it's a battle of the back pages. Who gets their asses handed to them worse in the first week, the Giants or the Jets? That's the story. <laughs> I take it you're going under on the five and a half on the Jets on the Absolutely. season. Absolutely. Yeah, it's tough. I and mean, Joe Flacco is starting games for them all year. It's it's going to be tough for them to get the six wins. But How, uh, well, Zach Wilson's out, what, four games? Well, they were thinking he maybe could play this week. So I don't know. It might be – he might be back sooner. I, I thought I saw something about four games. But, look, he, he was already in a situation where you got to find out what you have in him, right? And now you're starting him late. Look, his biggest hit is the MILFs, man. I mean, that that the biggest thing to come in his career so far has been the story of him knocking up his knocking down his mom's friend, you know, who was pretty hot, you know. Hey, the homie hopper or something. I, you know? I get it, I get it. And you know he's already he, a New York legend. Come on, you don't even have to play better. But the right thing, he could walk in the hood for sure, but that's about it. <laughs> uh <laughs> that's some street cred, but you know, that's about all he can get. <laughs> Oh, geez. Matt Bushnell, uh, any faith in the Jets at over five and a half? No. I mean, that's a silly number. They could have given me two and a half, and I may have t- taken the under. Um, my, my issue with the Jets is this. You know, all right, so now you got Zach Wilson, some shiny new toys, right? But Zach Wilson gets hurt. This feels like Sam Darnold all over again. Like, you don't know what you're going to get. You're not fixing the things that a quarterback needs to fix, and that's protection. Mekhi Becton's out. Jason Peters was out there. Dallas scooped him up. I have no idea why they let Jason Peters just go to Dallas when they need offensive linemen. The Jets should have signed every offensive lineman available that was under the sun to them. In the draft, they took Garrett Wilson, which, I mean, I I don't have an issue with. I think Alave was the better wide receiver out of Ohio State. But Wilson kind of probably – they probably thought Wilson gives them more of an explosive thing. But this is the problem that I have with the Jets. It's always, I want the shiniest object. Just just give me the shiniest thing. Zach Wilson's banging milk, so let, let us draft him. Sam Darnold's from Southern California, this cool redhead. Let us draft him. And it's always the same thing with this team. It's like, why don't you draft football players? They don't like Beckton for whatever reason. And I, I like Salah as a coach, but at some point you got to look at the GM bringing these guys in. And these are not guys that I, I would always want. Give me football players. The tape doesn't lie, you know, and I think that's the big thing that some of these guys will fall in love with is just flashes in the combine. You got to have those grinder guys on your team. And to me, the Jets always seem to miss on it. Like Mac Jones would have been a better fit at quarterback. They didn't, there was no chance that they were going to get Trevor Lawrence. But Justin Fields was sitting right there, and I wasn't a believer, and I can understand, you know, maybe some other teams felt the same way, and, and a lot of people are going to eat a lot of shit this year because of it. But to me, the Jets always circle back to the same mistakes. They don't learn from it, so they get doomed to repeat it. Zach Wilson didn't play against enough top-tier competition to warrant being drafted number two overall, and that's my biggest thing. I. I know people talk about Ohio State quarterbacks and Alabama quarterbacks and USC quarterbacks to a certain extent. 
these guys play against competition. It, it gives you a better idea. It gives you a better hit rate. The Jets are the Jets, so I, the Jets will be lucky to get to four wins this year with that schedule. So does that mean you hate the Sauce Gardner pick too because that's kind of a flashy pick, or do you think he's legit? I think Sauce is legit, but still it doesn't address what I feel like. This team needs to get pass rush help. They need to get offensive. They, they got to get better on the offensive line too. And I, I know people will cite some a couple of the signings they made, but, man, this, this offensive line, they, this draft with the offensive lineman had some pretty elite tackles. I thought Evan Neal should have been a slam dunk. Um, he could have made a real difference on this football team. Charles Cross was out there. I think he's going to make a real difference for the Seahawks. And yet, you know, you, you keep on going with this ancillary parts. Football is not complicated. Take a look at the line play. Whoever protects the quarterback and whoever gets the quarterback more usually wins the game. That's how this happens. Mm-hmm. The ball will always be decided in the trenches. You and I will never disagree on that. However, mm-hmm. many, however, you know, it changes with the passing. It's still all about what goes on in the middle of the field there. Well, um, if you wait, before you continue, who, who's starting a D tackle for the Jets on the left side? Is it Quentin Williams? Solomon Thomas. Mm. Oh, well, they also have uh, Lawson coming back, who was out for the year last year, who's going to rush the passer. So, yeah. I mean, they uh, – I mean, Solomon Thomas, whatever. But yeah. <laughs> I, I am not as down on the Jets. I think that they do have a better supporting cast around Wilson than Darnold ever had, except the problem is Wilson's not playing. And I need to see him out there making progress because we saw him make unbelievable plays with the arm strength and the athleticism. He couldn't do the routine things. He couldn't check down. He couldn't hit a slant on on timing. He couldn't go through his progressions. To me, those are things that once you can put that all together is when you truly take the next step. And that's what we're not going to get out of Wilson until maybe October. And even then, uh, it's not a guarantee we're actually going to see that. So that's my concern. Um, I'm going to take the over in the five and a half. Screw it. I'll say they win six games. I think that they're good enough to beat the Pats at least once. I think they could steal a game from the Dolphins. Uh, they get a two a stinker. I don't know. I, I, they play some bad teams along the way, so I could see them lucking their I mean, way. Look, into six. I, I'm with you. I like Zach Wilson. I, I think he has the tools, and it's, it's what is Matt always preaching over and over reps, right? These guys need as many reps as possible, and he's just not getting that. 100%. Yeah. That, that's it. That's the, that's my problem is that, he, you know, he gets hurt in week one of the preseason, and that kind of really uh, affects how all of us feel uh, about the Jets coming in. So their opponent now, the Ravens, and this one is a. Uh, is a doozy coming into the season. They are, uh, their numbers at 10 and a half. And that's a big number, obviously, anytime you start with um, double digits. Um, and I have a lot of questions about this team. And, and number one being Lamar Jackson, he missed the last month of the season last year. He comes in without a contract. Uh, he doesn't have an agent, so he's representing himself. Don't love that. Uh, and then the receivers on this team are Rashad Bateman, and then it's Mark Andrews, and then who else, really? I don't know. And I know that they're not a pass-first offense, and I know Lamar is still uh, great uh, in spite of that. Um, I think the defense will be fine. I think Harbaugh is still a good enough coach. But that 10.5 number scares me because they are one Lamar Jackson rolled ankle away um, from their season completely derailing, much like it did last year um, when they started 6-2, and two, and then you know he was hurt the rest of the year. So – that 10 and a half really is, is a big number that I might honestly stay away from a little bit here. So, Henry, what do you make of this number? I mean, the double digits is a, is a lot for a team with this many flaws. Not just with that many flaws, but it's, it goes back to the division that they're in. I mean, they, they have the Steelers, they have the Bengals in their division. So, 
I think by default, and I kind of let it out earlier, you know, I didn't think they were going to win the division, but I'm going to go under on that, actually. I'll, I'll say probably 10 right on, on the dot. Yeah, that feels right to me. I just, everything has to go right for that number to hit the over. And they've shown that they, you know, that that hasn't been the case in the last few years. So, uh, Matt, do you think Lamar returns to his MVP form and they, they are over 10 and a half? Or do you think that they, they struggle to get to double digits? I think Lamar gets back to that MVP form, but I don't think it's enough for them to get over that hump. I, like I said, I, I had the Steelers winning the division in 11 wins. So obviously I got to take the under here. For the right, another divisional matchup. We have a lot of divisional matchups. We no, so I, I'm just going to go with, I, I, I think the Ravens get to 10 wins exactly. I like Lamar a lot. He put on 15 pounds of muscle. He looked bigger and stockier, ready to take some abuse. The writers, they drafted a wide receiver. And I forget who it was. Um, but there's some things to like here. I, I like Bateman a lot. I think he offers a lot of upside for them. I think that's a name some people sleep on. The defense, I mean, this team just puts together. It's a philosophy sort of deal, kind of like the Patriots and the Steelers. Yeah. Let's just be as physical as possible and try to beat you up as much as possible. And that's kind of what I think this Ravens team is. I just don't think they're as talented as the Steelers, you know, one through 53. Well, I do like Lamar a lot. I think he's probably the best quarterback. Well, I, Joe Burrow is the best quarterback, but Lamar Jackson is probably the second best quarterback in this division right now. So I, I see Lamar coming back, but 10 wins. Well, what do we think about Lamar and, and his passing issues? I mean, are we just going to – he is what he is. I mean, we just we, – we deal with it because he gives you, you know, uh, a little or a lot of uh, – you know, Kansas City's quarterback in him. You know, he makes plays, he extends plays. I mean, he's very yeah, – I thought he improved. I thought he improved as a passer a little bit. I, I, he's never going to be a traditional pocket guy. Right. So I think we have to sort of understand that he's not going to sit there like Burrow would in a pocket, go through his reads. His instinct is to run, and he's a dynamic athlete, and I think he should play to his strengths. Um, I do think he needs to be a little bit more accurate on the run if he's going right. to continue to do that. That's my but, issue with him. Yeah, I do think that you could you saw it a little bit, but I just I, I don't know if he's ever going to take that leap and be Mahomes. And I just don't think he has that skill set. Um, but to me, he makes up for it with his ability to run, make guys miss um, and not take big hits, because honestly, when you're running that much, not taking hits is just as important as, you know, being able to, to juke a linebacker out of his shoes. And Lamar has is so shifty. He might be the hardest guy to bring down in the entire league. Um, but his value is there. Right. Uh, if you had taken Burrow and put him on the Ravens. I don't think the Ravens are a very good football team, but I think that just speaks to their skill sets. They're hard guys to compare and their situations are very different. Um, but I just, I don't know, Matt, what did you think when you watched Lamar? Did you actually see improvement in the passing game or, or no? I did. I, I think he was able to hit in between the numbers more often when he's inside the pocket and he has to throw outside the hashes. That's where he comes, becomes shaky. He start worrying about those passes, but inside the numbers, that's why Mark Andrews is flying off the boards in fantasy drafts. I mean, Lamar Jackson's deadly yeah. as a quarterback in this offense, and that's what makes it work. You can't put another, another quarterback in the NFL, maybe Jalen Hurts to a lesser degree, but it's going to be really hard to find a quarterback that can play this offense in the NFL outside of Lamar Jackson. That's why you just got to – the guy is special. He's a different breed of quarterback. Conversely, you can't put him in a Mahomes situation. You can't put him in a Burrow situation. You can't put him in a Herbert situation because he's not that type of passer. So really, it's a. this is what hurts the contract talk, Randy, to your point. The Ravens are seeing, you want $250 million guaranteed. Where else are you going to go? 
where are you going to play in a system like this? Because if we went the route, let's say the Dolphins, the Packers, the Bears, the 49ers, um, I'm trying to think of other West Coast type of offenses that employ that Shanahan scheme. All those guys that are in those systems are accurate passers to begin with. So you just can't plug Lamar and take him into those situations. I kind of laughed out. People were like, well, just put him in the Dolphins situation. It may not work because you have to be accurate outside the numbers in that system as well. So to me, I think it's going to be a battle of wills here. I think the perfect situation will be for Lamar to stay in Baltimore for the rest of his career. They need to pay him because this system's built. The players afford this system. You can't afford to lose Lamar. Lamar can't afford to leave Baltimore. What do we, and I, I do think he has a huge season. What do we think that contract looks like? I think it's going to get to 250. I don't think it's all going to be guaranteed. You can't really guarantee it with a mobile quarterback like that. You're, you're asking for a disaster. Um, you're not going to see a, like a Kirk Cousins like contract, but you might see a short term deal um, that's heavy on the AAV. That I could see. Um, and which I think would kind of be smart. So uh, earlier in the comments, Leon said Harbaugh is overrated. And this is where I disagree because they drafted Lamar and then they catered their entire offense around him. If they don't design every aspect of the roster on offense to, to be around Lamar Jackson, then this does not work. As to your point, who else could come into this offense and make it work? Jalen Hurts, sure. But that's by design. They don't just have a regular offense that teams run. This was catered to the skill set of Lamar Jackson. And I think that's a big credit to the coaching staff. So I uh, I think Harbaugh is a damn good coach for that reason. And I and I think that, you know, maybe they both should look at each other and say, hey, maybe we knew we need each other. Let's find a way to meet in the middle on the contract talks um, because Lamar's value is clearly uh, there and the Ravens are much better when he plays. And, and that's evident. Um, you know, on the field. So, um, all right. So we have the, the Ravens coming to the new, to the New Jersey to play the jets. They are favored by seven points at MetLife stadium. So Henry, to your point, uh, maybe a big emotional 9-11 ceremony and emotional national anthem. And then everyone's like, Oh, Joe Flacco revenge game on the Ravens. Let's go. And then all of a sudden they're down 14 in the first quarter. And we got ourselves a good old fashioned, uh, blowout here in, in the Meadowlands. Give me the Ravens and the points. <laughs> Matt, do you agree? Yeah, Ravens are the point. Uh, Ravens are going to put up 40 on them. Yeah, I uh, I picked Baltimore in my survivor pool. I just I feel like this is the the lock of the week uh, above all else. And you know I do like the Jets. I just think it's a bad uh, bad game to get week one. All right, so we're going to move on now to a team in my division, and it's a team with a new name, and you might know them as the Washington football team. You might have known them as something else previous to that that we're technically not allowed to say. But, hey, now they're going full commies, baby. The Washington Commanders with Carson Wentz as their quarterback gets a play uh, in Landover, Maryland, um, and they get the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um <clears throat> With, uh, with Doug Peterson as their head coach. Um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, maybe bounce back here, who knows. But let's start with Washington. Uh, look, I like the roster. I don't love the Chase Young news that came out today. Uh, that certainly hurts my opinion on them because I do think very highly of him as a football player. And look, Carson Wentz, he had an ideal situation on the Colts last year, had a great offensive line, had a great running game, great coaching staff. I think he had a, a very good wide receiver in Michael Pittman. Uh, and he still found a way to fumble away a playoff position to quite literally one of the worst teams I've ever seen in last year's Jaguars who had the number one overall pick. And it's literally Carson Wentz meltdown. It was a meltdown of all masterclass meltdowns. Um, so 
despite how much I like the the commander's roster and I do think they have talent uh, top to bottom. Um, and I do like Ron Rivera as head coach. I cannot overlook the Carson Wentz aspect of all of this. So Matt, I'm going to go to you first over under on the, on the commies is eight and a half. The over uh, plus one forty five, the under minus one seventy. There's a lot to like with the commanders. I think with, I, I mean, who doesn't love Terry McLaurin? I mean, the guy's great. Um, I, I think they're running back. People were still drafting Robinson after he got shot, so we don't know when he's going to come back and play. But the theory was that he was going to take over Gibson's carries, and people were starting to shy away from Gibson. So that's going to be an interesting development. To me, it feels like there's a black cloud hanging over this football team. Like, it, it just it can never get put together well enough to compete for a division title right now. And Wentz is your perfect example of Jekyll and Hyde. He can throw a back-breaking pick or, you know, he can make an amazing throw. And I agree with you, Randy. You couldn't have put a quarterback in a better situation than what Indy gave him last year. Great offensive line, great running game. You know, make the easy throws on play action and Wentz still couldn't do it. Um, I'm going under. I just don't think Washington's that good of a football team. I want to like them more, but the under feels right. Like I could see eight, obviously, if things go well, but just, you know, the Carson Wentz aspect of it, it's hard to overlook. Henry, uh, when you look at the commies, you, you think of uh, mm-hmm. you know, a team that could potentially win the NFC East, or are you looking at a potential Ron Rivera gets fired midseason? You know, what's more of a likely situation there? You, you, you couldn't fig- They couldn't figure out a worse name for the Chiefs than, than the commies, right? I mean, like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, love I love Washington's defense. I'm really high on that defense. I don't like their offense. Um, Carson Wentz, you guys have touched on it. Uh, look, he was given the perfect team for his scenario, and he botched it every chance he got, and they could not wait to get rid of him for an aging Matt Ryan any faster, which says everything you needed to know there. I didn't think they were going to get rid of him. They got rid of him as soon as they possibly could. Um, so I, I want to like Washington. I, I just can't see it. I don't like it. Uh, I'm not a fan of that team on offense and I, I'm going the, I'm taking the under. Yeah, I think that's the, the right move. And Matt, we talked about it kind of in the chat earlier. This is how much I hate Yahoo fantasy, by the way. Um, I did a draft last night in a 12 team league and uh, they gave me a D plus draft grade, which is totally ridiculous. But the team that they gave the best draft grade to their evaluation and their best pick was that they drafted Brian Robinson, the guy who got shot two weeks ago, who might not even play for a month and a half. So I, I don't know what Yahoo is smoking, but every time they give out draft grades, I just I, I want to know who comes up with this shit. Um, anyway, we're going to go now to their opponent in the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and look, improvement is imminent here. I don't know how they could get possibly worse than they were last year with the Urban Meyer experiment. Some reason, for some reason, they hung on to Trent Balke. Um, but Henry, you know all too well about that situation. Hey. But the, and and he he spent a lot of money in the offseason. He gave a lot of money to Christian Kirk, uh, which I don't totally understand. But I think that with you know Trevor Lawrence, if he's as good as I expect, he could have a good year. The over-under for the Jags sits at six and a half. And really this comes down to if you believe in Doug Peterson as a head coach and it didn't end well in Philly and uh, he did win a Super Bowl with them, but he had a great coaching staff around him with a very talented team all around. So really I think this number comes down to um, do you trust Doug Peterson to take advantage of somewhat of a weak division? Because I think even in the weak division, I'm not sure the Jags are, are better than six and a half wins. 
Was it on me or Matt? I, I, I sent you. Yeah, I talked to him. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I actually like the Jaguars a little bit more um, okay. than you. You know, Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be this generational quarterback, right? He's supposed to be there with the Burroughs and the Herberts of the world. And then I think this is the year he takes that step. Um, I like their wide receiver uh, running back core. They just added Jermichael Hasey, who was also cut from the 49ers as their third string. Um, I like that pickup a lot. Um, I, I think they can do some damage. You know, they have Kirk, Marvin Jones, Zay Jones. Evan Ingram is hot or cold as a tight end. Mom. <laughs> He's hot or cold as a tight end. I was, cold waiting, for I was waiting for that. <laughs> always. I, I think they can make some some waves. I won't call it noise. They can make some waves in that division, and I'll take the over. Matt Bushnell? It's like they decided they had all this money to spend and they decided, what's the dumbest thing I could buy? It's, it's like people who win the lotto and like, <laughs> let me buy this extravagant thing. And they forget that they have to pay taxes. And then the next thing they're like, oh, shit, I'm poor. Um, you know, the, time. the Jaguars, the, <laughs> I'm you, the Jaguars are in bad, bad, bad situation because you take a look at their cap now. It's not good for years to come. Like they spent idiotic money on Christian Kirk that pissed off every NFL team because it threw the wide receiver market into utter chaos. You got guys asking for 20 million that didn't deserve to sniff 10. So I I take a look at the weapons and I know we talked about um, Chenault still there, who I do like. I think Chenault's a pretty decent wide receiver. Travis Etienne, who I begrudgingly drafted in my fantasy team. I don't know what I'm getting with this. I'm Say they love him. Yeah, and you know, people still are kind of high on James Robinson. It's like, no, just cut your losses. Don't draft James Robinson. That's fool's gold. But to me, I just don't know where the substance is with this team. And we did talk about Trevor Lawrence, and I, Randy and I, you know, we hyped him up. And you couldn't have put a quarterback in a worse spot with their first head coach as Urban Meyer. Uh, you talk about total and utter failure. So what is this year for Trevor Lawrence? You know, I, I think you just got to see improved mechanics, you know, better decision-making. He can make all, every throw on the field, but, you know, you almost have to treat this as year one. So I take the under. I, I think they're playing with a lot of house money, which as they should. But if you're talking about their outlook two years, three years from now, I think it's about the same as it is now because they spent a lot of dumb money. And I'll say this. I know Georgia had a great defense, but I think they took the fourth best Georgia player in the draft last year. Number one overall, too, Trayvon Walker. Yep. It's it's crazy. I, that's why I didn't like the bulky bring, like bringing back bulky because I just don't trust that guy. I think he's a bad GM, but um, you know I think they're going to be improved. I think they have to be improved. There's just no way they can be worse, right? I just feel like last year was such a dumpster fire uh, that it's it's difficult to to you really have to try to be worse than that. Um, what I uh, like a lot about them is that Lawrence and in, in this out of camp that they, there's rumors that Lawrence might take the biggest jump that you've seen from year one to year two that we have ever seen, which I think is a little advantageous, but he really was in a poor situation with bad coaching and not a ton of great weapons around there. And I think Peterson is 
quite the improvement on Urban Meyer, even though I don't love him as a head coach, um, that that system's going to be much more quarterback friendly. Kirk, I know he's not a traditional number. He's not going to be a number one. He was like a number three for Arizona, for Christ's sake, and they're paying him as if he's one of the best receivers in the league. But, you know, I expect him to produce more than he did with Arizona now because of the way they are paying him. And, and Etienne and Lawrence go back to Clemson together. So I know that they already have that chemistry, and I think Etienne will make a little bit of a difference as well. So I'm still not going to go the over on six and a half, but I think six is a good number for them. And that is quite the jump from, from last year. So I think we're going to see an improved Jags team. I just don't think six and a half is, uh, is a number I'm willing to go over on now. I'm the only one that went over, right? Yeah. Hank, you're the only one that went over, but for this game, I should, uh, you know, this is an interesting one because um, you could really say, you know, it's a battle of two dysfunctional organizations because it is. Um, but uh, Washington is get uh, is favored uh, by two and a half. And for me, I just I, I like the Jags at this point in time a little bit more than I like Washington coming into week one. And I just think Jacksonville uh, wins outright there in, in Maryland. What do you guys think? Um, I'm with you. I'll, I'll give you, you know, 24, uh, 17 Jaguars. Mm-hmm. They could be a good game for sure. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I like the Jags. I, I don't think it's going to – what's the point total? What are they giving us for the point total here, Randy? Oh, God, now you're asking me. To... Let's see. Because uh, this is going to be I an interesting it. play. It's 44. It's 44? Yeah. I'm going to take the under on that. I, I, I think that's an easy under, a good bet to get your foot in the door, a good solid bet because I don't think either of these offenses are going to light it up. So I, I kind of like Henry's score, but I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm going to say Jags 17 and give me the commies 11. 11? <laughs> I love it 11 because you know, how the hell did you get to 11? I, you know, I, I, just, I just, hey, if you watched Iowa this past weekend, anything is possible. Unreal. The most unorthodox seven you'll ever see in your life. Uh, good point. Good. I mean, if they start playing like Iowa, we're in trouble. The NFL. Well, Matt, wait, trouble. you got you got a touchdown, two-point conversion, and a field goal. Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's They're the going to be scrambling goal. late. That'll that's define their season. If Carson yeah. wins garbage time, that's what that sounds like to me. All right, let's move on because, you know, we mentioned the Joe Flacco revenge game, but that's that's nonsense. We have a real revenge game going on in Carolina in week one, and it is uh, Baker Mayfield getting uh, a chance to really stick it to his former team in the Cleveland Browns. Um, and, and Carolina is interesting. They come in with Darnold, obviously, and they trade for Baker in July. Baker quickly wins the job over Darnold. Darnold then gets hurt. Um, I don't know. Is it, I guess it depends on your opinion on both quarterbacks, but I, I would say Baker is, you know, a much better quarterback than Darnold is given his track record. Um, Carolina's got some talent. They have talent on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, I really like DJ Moore. He's always a, a, a solid, like really great route runner. He has terrible touchdown luck given his quarterback play. Um, the health of Christian McCaffrey is, is always a, a point of discussion during fantasy draft seasons. And he is obviously uh, the best running back in the league when he's healthy. Healthy. It's just, you know, is he going to stay healthy? So uh, Carolina win total in, in this bad division is six and a half. And I guess the bad division partially is due to how you feel about Carolina. Uh, but six and a half is, I think, a decent number for this team. And I don't love him, but I don't, I don't love Matt Rule either. So Henry, six and a half on the Panthers uh, over is minus 110. And the under is also minus 110. I think I'm going to take the over on that. Explain yourself. I hate that division. 
is really bad. And I think Baker Mayfield is going to do a lot better than we think he's going to be. I really do. I think a fresh start somewhere else, he's got, when healthy, like you said, the best running back in the game. So, you know, there's a lot less pressure on him. I think he can uh, he can make some noise there. You said seven and a half? Oh, six and a half. Six and a half. So seven wins, I'm taking the over. All right, Matt Bushnell, Carolina Panthers, six and a half. What do you got? I got to make sure I'm living the right time because, I mean, I'm not sure if Henry and I agreed this much in a long time. I, I agree with him. I, I like the Panthers on the over here. I, I do think it's a bad division um, with the Saints, you know, getting somewhere. I said I think the Saints get nine wins, nine, ten wins, probably nine wins more likely. There's wins to be had out there in this terrible NFC. And I forget the offensive lineman Carolina drafted, but I thought he was the best one in the draft out of, I think, Ole Miss. Quanu. Quanu, Yes. I think he's a great offensive lineman. I think it's going to help out this team a lot. Weapons, I mean, DJ Moore, you got to love that guy. And Christian McCaffrey, there's nothing wrong with that. And defensively, I think they got better last year as the season went along. I, I think people are selling really low on Baker Mayfield, which is fine. I don't think he's a top echelon quarterback. I don't think anybody's going to put him in the top 10. But tell me, I mean, between 12 and 18, he's got to be somewhere in that range, right? Yeah. I mean, he's, I don't think he's as bad as he's gotten uh, shitted on for last year. I, I don't think yeah. he's that bad. Just the, what, two years ago before that, he was the cream of the crop. People were like, oh, my God, they were justified with picking him at the pick they picked him. And then yeah. I, I think it was a bit much uh, last year. And I, I think he had a bad year. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think he's as bad as a quarterback as people are, are pinning him out to be. He wasn't healthy last year. Let's face it. I mean, even though it was his non-throwing shoulder, that still affects you. And we don't know exactly how bad it was, but it was bad enough that he had to get surgery on it. So, and, and there was a few. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. There was a few games last year that he gave his. He played as all. Oh, there was one game toward the end of the season that that was a really really good game. I can't remember. There was back and forth. Oh shit! Who did they play? There was like one game that he just brought them back and then the other team scored. I'm sorry. I, I I think there's some juice left in that in that Baker Mayfield uh, arm there. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be the worst number one pick ever. It's, he's far from it. But, you know, he's never going to be a top 12 quarterback. But th- there's juice there. There's juice yeah. there, my friends. Look, the guy brought the Browns to the playoffs, right? I think that alone itself should be uh... – <laughs> Highly regarded as an accomplishment, given how terrible the Browns have been. relevant again. Yeah, and and he was just as much of a reason for that as anyone uh, to make them relevant. So I'm with you on the Baker uh, importance. I do think he's fine. I just think he was terrible last year, and you could blame the shoulder for that, and that's fine. Um, But uh, that's still a a little bit of a concern for me now. Like, how do we know? I know he had surgery on it, but one hit gets driven into the ground, and all of a sudden we get Sam Darnold at quarterback again. And then I really don't like it. And then what if Christian McCaffrey gets hurt again? Those are the concerns I have for the Panthers. And then is Matt Rule actually a good head coach? I don't know. And then the the the, the, the stamp of, on this for me is, do you know who's calling plays for the Carolina Panthers? Either of you? McAdoo. Ben freaking McAdoo is calling plays for the Carolina Panthers. The guy who runs the most predictable offense in the history of time. It is uh, off tackle runs to leading to play action passes that take too long to develop that almost never work. And then straight up slant passes. You spread out wide, 
both receivers want to slant and whatever the quarterback feels like throwing, it's most likely to the hash that you're on the side of, they'll throw. It is the most predictable offense of all time. There's no creativity in the play calling. I hate Ben McAdoo <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, and for those factors, I'm going to take the under. And I think, you know, the Panthers, I mean, they could win six games and that way it still would be a cover. So I don't think the Panthers are very good. I think teams are going to be happy to have them on their schedule, regardless of Baker or Darnold is, is in that quarterback for them. Now, the other side is where we get super interesting in the Cleveland Browns because I don't know if you know this, their, uh, their quarterback is suspended for 11 games exactly in, in Deshaun Watson. And we're not here to talk about that because that is a whole other podcast that we don't have all night to talk about. Um, but regardless, they're not going to have their starting quarterback for the first 12 weeks because I think they have a bye week in there as well. Um, so you have uh, Jacoby Brissett playing quarterback for them. And I don't know if you saw Jacoby Brissett play uh, last year. It was pretty bad. Uh, he's not that good of a player. So I don't love that. And they're over under Matt. And I'll start with you sits at eight and a half in this division that we say is very tough with this bad quarterback. And look, I love their offensive line. I think they have great running backs. Don't love their receivers as much, but their defense also pretty good. And I like their coaching staff, but I can't overlook the stink that the Browns have on them coming into this year. And I can't overlook how bad Jacoby Brissett is. And honestly, I'm not assuming that when Deshaun Watson comes back, he's going to be the same guy we saw two years ago. He's got to be a little bit behind the eight ball now, given his situation. And how does all of this not affect him mentally? And I I just don't see how they get over eight and a half at this point. I I don't like the Browns for a lot of reasons. I think this situation, I mean, they could look back on this situation and be like, man, we should have kept Baker Mayfield. Because you talk about this roster and you talk about the things they have at their disposal. Deshaun does not look like the same quarterback to me. He just doesn't. You could take time off, like a year for an injury for a quarterback, but we're talking this guy is going to end up missing 28 consecutive NFL games. He's tore his ACL twice, the same one on the same leg. So he's missed a lot of time in the NFL. There are a lot of injuries. When you miss a lot of time, your body's not accustomed to getting hit. And this isn't the Cleveland Browns offensive line of yesteryear. This Browns offensive line has lost people. And I think we saw what happened last year with Baker Mayfield getting a hit hell of a lot more than he ever did the previous years. And you're telling me Deshaun Watson, who's missed all this time, is just going to walk in and magically save this Brown season. I don't buy it. Maybe next year, Deshaun Watson's something that, you know, we can say he's a top whatever quarterback. I wouldn't have made this deal because I don't know what I'm getting. I don't want that on my head, but they did it. They gave him 230 million. I don't love this Browns team. I think it's a lot worse than what it was when Baker Mayfield took them to the playoffs. So I'm taking the under. I, I, it's one of those teams where I think it's Ohio, which is bad enough. So they get five, six wins out of this season. You're not, you know, you're not uh, nailed the, the, uh, you hit the hammer on the head is what I'm trying to say, Matt. I think I agree on all points there. Uh, Henry, uh, eight and a half for the Browns. I think that is a crazy number for this number. And like Matt said, something's in the water because Matt and I are agreeing on way too many things here, (laughs) but I, I, I think Matt hit it right on the head. Like you said, the Browns team are not, they're not a better team now than they were with Baker Mayfield. So they moved Baker. I think that benefits Baker. 
Jacoby Brissett sucks. Just call it what it is. Joshua Dobbs, I'm sorry, their their quarterback course sucks. Deshaun Watson, two years, three years before he touches, you know, in total in games, we don't know what we're getting. Plus the 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 media attention that comes with that. Plus all the backlash. You know, there's going to be protests at the games from women's groups and other organizations. You just know it's going to happen when he does finally play. And to your credit, Matt, uh, Randy, you said he, the mental aspect. We don't know what Deshaun is thinking. Yeah, he's going to get paid his money. At what cost? You know, at what cost to the It's always like the Browns from the time they packed up those boxes and left in the middle of the night have always done one thing dumber than the other. And I think this is just another dumb thing in the history of that franchise. Um, and I think they took a step back. And uh, I'm sorry. I look at that wide receiver core and I'm not impressed. I, Amari Cooper is not a number one receiver anymore. You guys might disagree, but I don't think he is any. Uh, He's a one, but lower level one. Donovan Peoples-Jones sounds more like an actor from Shaft than anything else. I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm not a fan of this team. I will say if you're a fantasy player, David Njoku, get that dude because he's going to be the escape hatch for Jacoby Brissett. Any throws that's going over the middle, he's going to catch everything. He's going to be the emergency hatch. So pick him up in fantasy. This team sucks. I'll be shocked if they get five wins. Well, that's why I've been saying take uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt because they're going to be a run-first team all day, and their offensive line is still great. Corey, um, I know Corey's mm-hmm. watching. I know the Browns are your team, brother. I'm sorry, but this ain't it. They took they took too many too many steps back here. I I got to take issue with the offensive line comment, Randy, because I don't think that offensive line is as great as you know they they were really good two years ago. We're talking top. Maybe yeah. the best offensive line in the NFL. What we saw last year, that was not it. I agree with you. It's not as good as it once was, um, but I still think it's good enough. Um, and, and, you know, I mean, that's obviously not saying to- like too much, but they still have a lot of talent up front. And just to, like, put a like in perspective the Deshaun Watson situation, just the mere rumor that the Falcons were in on him made Matt Ryan never want to play for them ever again. Yeah. Like, that's just how toxic this situation is. And I, I know the Browns players don't really talk much about it, but it's going to have an effect on them. I almost like the Browns more before Deshaun comes back because it's going to be a distraction you better believe that it will be because it's going to be all anyone asks about so i i just don't love the vibe around the browns team and and for this game which we can get into now um as garrett cole gives up a home run gotta love that um we started it Yep. Uh, <laughs> Baker comes out angry here. I think uh, the Panthers are favored by two and a half. I like Carolina at home. I just, I'm not going to be confident in Jacoby Brissett in any football game. So uh, give me the Panthers in the, in their home opener. Yeah. I think Miles Garrett would have to do something superhuman for them to win this game. Not saying that he can't, but I don't see it. I, I like the Panthers in this as well. I'm going to go Panthers 21 to the Browns 13. Yeah, fuck Garrett Cole. I agree. Um, I think my man, my man Baker is going to go off in this game. It is a revenge game. He's going to light them up. Give me 24-13 Panthers. Yeah, I just think Baker has the game of his life. He, this is the kind of thing Baker gets into where he gets like all jacked up for a game. So really much shit talking. So much shit talking is going to oh, happen. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know you're going to see remember the flag planting in Oklahoma it's going to be something like that or he's going to like teabag somebody or something do the DX chop it's going to be something right. ridiculous I, like I'm that I'm looking at the comments and, and Corey Richmond uh, made an, uh, a comment he accidentally wrote wings cures everything and then he corrected and said sorry wins. no he was right the first time wings <laughs> cures everything so Corey stick with that let's stick with the wings brother and get a lot of wings on Sunday because you're going to need them <laughs> And hey, everyone looking forward to football. Get some chicken wings. Enjoy enjoy your day. You know, um, and the only thing I'm gonna say about this is, as a father to three daughters, there's no amount of winning that could ever make up for this. I, I would literally stop being a Bears fan if they had Deshaun Watson. That's how disgusted I am by it. But that's my personal view. And winning can do a lot of things, but that not that. We we had this discussion in private. Like when it came out, you know, okay, you give them the benefit of the doubt. You you hear everything. But then one became two, two became four, four became 10, 24, 20. Uh, it's, it's, no, it, it, it's not by uh, design and it's not sabotage. It, he's a dirty motherfucker. Yeah. And you're not the only one, Matt. There are many Browns fans uh, seeking new, new teams to root for or just approaching the NFL season as an independent. And I can't say I, I, I totally blame them. So, the first um, thing they can do is move out of Ohio. That will improve your life immediately. <laughs> All Deshaun Watson really to me had to do was show some remorse, and he failed to do that at, at all. He has yeah. his apology was terrible. He handled the situation so poorly. I don't think anyone will ever be able to forgive him, innocent or not. So he is the A Rod of football right now. That's brutal. Not a, not a good thing to be. Poor A Rod. You'll make money. So I guess if that's your objective, you, you're winning there. All right, we've talked about that way too long. We, this is going to be a long one, guys. If you haven't already embraced this, this is going to be a, a long episode. So if you're sticking with us, if you haven't joined us yet, uh, we still have quite a few games to go. So let's get we – can, we can cruise past this one because this is the AFC South, and this is probably the worst division in football. And let's get what to be one, one of the worst teams in football, and it's Sean Watson's former team, the Houston Texans. Uh, they take on their division rival, under. the Indianapolis Colts. Their over-under on the season is four and a half. Under. Under. Or you even knew the number. Are you sticking under, with it? Under, brother. Right. Under the four and a half for the Texans. Matt Bushnell, uh, any optimism on the Texans front? Yeah, actually, I do. I, do. I, I think they get the over on this. Um, I, I think what Lovey does for a football team is bring that stability, and they're going to play a tough type of defense. It's going to be solid. They're, they're not going to beat themselves defensively. Offensively, Davis Mills, there's something to like there. You know, there's a little something that Brandon Cooks, I like Brandon Cooks a little bit. I think four years ago. Well, yeah, I mean, he's not a world beater. I I think when we talk about the worst team in the NFL and you really look at it, it's it takes a lot of things to equal that. Um, Dysfunction in the front office, whether it's ownership, GM, stuff like that, then it's got to be idiotic coaching like a coach that shouldn't be in the position that he's in. And then you have to have a really a lack of talent on the team. The Jaguars hit the jackpot two years in a row in that, in, in those departments. Um, that's why we see the Jets continually picking in the top half, top half of the top five of the NFL draft. I'm sorry, Randy, I got to do it with the Giants. You know, we, we, we saw it with the Giants. Um, you know, the Seahawks, I think we're going to be seeing it with the Seahawks in the near future. So to me, I, I think the Texans are not void of, 
you know, they don't have good talent, but they have talent. I, I think Davis Mills is steady enough to not beat you. And I think Lovey Smith is a competent enough coach not to lose games all the time. So to me, I like the over at just five. I, I think they get the five wins. I think that's a solid number for this type of football team. Uh, to me, it's just about seeing what you have in Davis Mills, right? Because if you stink this year and he stinks, you're set up to take one of the quarterbacks in the class next year. You should have low expectations coming into this year. And if Mills surprise you, then great. You can take a different player uh, that helps your football team. But to your point, you know, Brandon Cooks, I think, is a good football player. Uh, I really like uh, Damian Pierce. He seems to be a fantasy, uh, you know, not even a sleeper anymore. He's a very trendy fantasy pick. Uh, Nico Collins, I, I really love as a sleeper in fantasy. I do think he's a good, good, good player. Uh, and then Dorsett still in this league. What's that? How's Philip Dorsett still in this league? That's a good question. Uh, I don't know. And, and they picked Derek Stingley Jr. third overall in the draft ahead of Sauce Gardner. And many people think he was the best corner in the draft already. So they have players. I just think the AFC is so deep that it's going to be hard to get to five wins when you're when you're this bad. And I, I do like Lovey, but unfortunately, I think Lovey is a is a one and done guy. Oh, yeah. um, unless you know, if he surprises and wins six games, and I don't see how you could justify firing him. But we'll see. I, I'm going to take the under just strictly based on conference. But overall, I like the feel and the vibe around the Texans. Um, it wouldn't surprise me, but I'm going to say four is the number for them. Now, on the Colts side of things. Uh, optimism city here for Indy because they don't have Carson Wentz in the building anymore and they could not be more thrilled about it. Uh, they bring back essentially uh, the same team in, in reality, except they have Matt Ryan at quarterback now uh, instead of Carson Wentz. And then we can debate if that's an upgrade or not. I don't think he's more talented than Wentz, but I think he's more stable and consistent than Wentz. And I think that's really what they need. Uh, they don't need a guy who's going to check out mentally and totally destroy you with backbreaking turnovers and really just, you know, not look like he's all that interested in the game plan uh, on Sunday. So to me, Ryan adds that level of professionalism and the whole team has gravitated towards him as a leader, it seems. So I like the Ryan addition here. To me, they're missing a receiver. And to me, the Colts are a team on OBJ watch. When OBJ is ready to sign with the team, I think the Colts are a prime candidate for his services come November when he's healthy. So uh, I really like the Colts. I really like them in this division. Their over-under is at nine and a half. And I think that the, they're going to go over just because I think they're the best team in this division and they're going to get, you know, f- four wins at least uh, out of their division, if not more. Matt Bushnell, what do you think? Uh, th- th- it feels like a big number for a team that lacks – you know, special defensive players. Uh, they got Darius Leonard, who I, I guess you could say is special, but that's it. I don't think they generate enough pass rush. Um, I like Michael Pittman a lot on offense, but they still, I still feel like they, it just feels very Indiana to me, very Midwest. Like it's just, nothing's going to blow your socks off. I think they're well coached. I think they're very disciplined. I, I think they have some things that they can bring to the table. They have a very good offensive line, but to me, it just feels like it's, it's an okay team. It's not a team. I'm going under, I think nine's the perfect number for this team. Matt Ryan is, it's just like, it fits all together. Everyone's really good except Jonathan Taylor and Darius Leonard, who are superstars, Quentin Nelson as well. But you, I mean, it's got three guys that I, I like, those are three guys I want. The other guys are just, eh guys 
I, I get it, but I, I think this team is is absolutely loaded in terms of depth. So they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of household names, but this may be one of the deeper teams in the league. It's the deepest. And, and I agree with Randy. I think you know OBJ here would be a great addition. I mean, I, I look up and down this roster and you're right. There's no standout names that just, you know, jump out at you, but there's a lot of depth on this team where guys can go down and you can get very similar production to their, their backup. And I disagree. I'm very high on the coast this year. I'm going to give them 10 plus wins. I'm going to go on. I'm going to go over here. Um, does the name Rodrigo Blankenship not knock your socks off Matt Bushnell? That sounds like a cool freaking name. If you ask me, uh, and then, <laughs> DeForest Buckner paired now with Unique Ngakwe. I love that pass rush duo. I've been um, waiting for Ngakwe for three years now. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, look, he's more of a name at this point, but he's certainly talented. Maybe now he finally puts it together. And then how about this? Uh, Stefan Gilmore also signed with the Colts. That's not a bad signing for them. I know he's not the same guy, but that's a, that's a good depth move. He's on their starting depth chart, so. I mean, they're just signing guys two years too late. I'll give you Buckner. I forgot Buckner. My fault. I'd love DeForest Buckner. I think he's an absolute stud. So your point, who? but the Buckner was also a guy that came on late in his career. I mean, they're going to need Michael Pittman to take a huge step forward this year. He had a really good year, but they lack a true number one wide receiver. I mean, we talked about Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper would be the best wide receiver on this team. Um, tight end. Who's their tight end? I, I feel like I should know that. Oh, Alec Cox. I'll say this. There's no team in the NFL that can sustain a handful of injuries better than the Colts. That goes a long way, man. That that wins you a couple. That, that gets you a couple wins oh. in this league. Yeah, it does. Oh, it does. All right. So this matchup, uh, Colts at Texans. Colts favored by seven. Look, these division games are tough. I think seven's a big number. I think the Texans keep it close, but I think the Colts win the game. What do you guys think? Uh, Colts win, but I, I think the Texans cover the number. After watching Lovey for 10-plus seasons, they're going to give up a crap load of yards. There's there's going to be a lot of field goals in this game. But I, I like the Colts plus the points. I, I think the Colts cover here. All right. Now for the moment you've all been waiting for. Now, if you have any idea what the week one schedule looks like and you have any idea who's on this podcast right now, this has been the early game that I've been most looking forward to. And that's why I'm a professional producer in the local news world, because I made this the last one o'clock game we talked about to build the anticipation of the Chicago Bears welcoming the San Francisco 49ers. Now I could moderate a debate. I could, I could preview the game. I don't really know how to go about this, but you know, we're going to start with the bears over under now, Matt, this has been a conversation we've had a few times in our personal chats and the bears over under is five and a half. Now I think, and you are going to disagree with me in this, I guess Henry's going to be the deciding factor here, but I think the Bears have potential to be the worst team in the NFL. I know you disagree with me, but to me, if Justin Fields is bad, like almost every single Ohio State quarterback in the history of time has been in the NFL, the Bears roster to me is not good enough to make up for that. When Darnell Mooney, who I like, is your number one wide receiver and uh, uh, Montgomery is your number one running back, who I like, 
without a great offensive line, uh, without a lot of other supporting cast. Like Cole Komet, I really like, to be honest with you. Um, but he's probably your best offensive weapon. And then the defense, I think, took massive hits. I don't think your best defensive player even wants to be there. Um, and then I don't know about the coaching staff. You might have more confidence in them than I do. If you haven't caught on by now, I'm going under on the five and a half for the Bears. Um, you know what, Henry, why don't I go to you first? And then we can end with Matt Bushnell because I want to get much this. time for Matt. Yeah, let's go. Henry, what do you think about the Bears at five and a half? I'm going to give them exactly six wins. I'm going to okay. go just over. I don't think they're going to be the worst team in the league. Um, I, I think the Giants are actually going to be worse than the, than the Bears. I hope so. I'm um, rooting for the Giants to suck. I could see a situation where the Jets are probably worse than the Bears. Um I don't know. I, I see. I think Justin Fields takes that step forward. You guys know I wanted him on draft night. Y'all thought I was crazy. Now we kind of switch. Matt has come on to the side. And, and you know, I, I actually think the Niners would be in a better place right now if they had Justin Fields on their team. Um, so I wanted him. I, I think that kid has talent. Who is their backup? Trevor Simeon. Oh. Oh. Okay. <laughs> you, you could do a lot worse than Trevor Simeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean – you could, you could. Yeah, you could. Uh, look, I, I think this is this is where Justin Fields just says who he is, right? He's either a quarterback that's going to continue to make strides or he's going to take that step back and set this franchise back a few more years. Um, but I, I, I'll give them six wins. I don't think they're going to be a good football team, but I don't think they're going to be an atrocious one. They do. They they will get their asses handed to them in week one, however. <laughs> let's, let's hold off on that. I'm just saying. I know you're eager. I know you're eager. I get it. I know you're eager. All right, Matt, five and a half. Make your make the case for the Chicago Bears. All right. I, I mean, it just really comes out. I understand what you're saying about Justin Fields. If it's if he's bad, the Bears will be really, really bad. I don't necessarily disagree with it, but from what I've seen, like we could take last year and ball it up and throw it in the garbage can because Matt Nagy, I mean, you guys know my feelings on Matt Nagy. I thought he was one of the worst offensive coaches in the history of the NFL. He, he had a system that was restrictive. What we've seen from the Shanahan system, I am not sure if you could build a better prototype quarterback with the traits that Justin Fields has that fits better in this offense. Really? Everything that you want. He can throw deep. He has killer accuracy, especially deep down the field. My big hang up on Fields was his throwing motion last year and when he came out of Ohio State. Once again, I'm going to reference, you know, Kurt Warner and JT O'Sullivan, guys who know the quarterback position a million times better than I do. They said it's cleaned up. His footwork's really good. Dan Rovlowski has complimented on him. And then we get into the topic. So Justin Fields is better, which he looks like he is better from what I've seen. His footwork is really good. His delivery is quicker. He still has that weird throwing motion, but it's quicker then what is about this team that we start dissecting and saying, okay, they're not good enough to get to six wins. Wide receiver, I like Darnell Mooney a lot. I mean, he'd be a number one on a couple of different teams. Paul Komet, I think he's actually going to be one of the better tight ends in football this year. I agree. He, he may not be top five, but I think he's going to be in that six to seven range, everything being considered. David Montgomery's a really good running back. He's solid. So then we start talking, okay, Byron Pringle, Valius Jones Jr., and make we a St. Brown. I just butchered his first name. Um, 
you know, Dante Pettis, who, who Henry knows pretty well, is a 49er. Well. These, I was terrible on guys, the Giants for the last three years. Dante Pettis could hardly make it the Giants offense. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, there, there's guys with a lot of things to prove, but you're talking about Joe Judge, who ran an offense for this past, or Joe Judge and the Giants offense. So now we start talking about coaching. <laughs> Who's now the Patriots offensive coordinator? Um, so Is we that take where Joe Judge game. went. Hey, it's the Patriots. Oh my God. Yeah. I think it went away from them. Yeah. So we start taking a look at these pieces. All right. Then we go to the offensive line. This is what everyone's going to point to. Taven Jenkins moved to right guard. All right. Lucas Patrick was signed from Green Bay to be the Bears starting center, which he is. Cody Whitehair, who I don't love as much as your left guard, you could do a lot worse. Braxton Jones, who's a fifth round rookie left tackle. He's got 36 inch arms, which is one of the longest to come out of the draft since Trent Williams, I believe. Um, so a little 49er comparison there. And then right tackle, you got Larry Borum, who I'm not exactly in love with. Can they protect Justin Fields? I think Luke Getzey in the system can. I don't necessarily trust the players there, but then we'll see. Then we go to the defensive side of football. Robert Quinn's a team captain. Roquan Smith, team captain. So you talk about two guys that don't want to be there. Well, I think Matt Eberflus has said, you guys belong here. I think Eberflus is a guy that can bring together a lot of pieces. They drafted Jaquan Brisker, who was an absolute missile coming out I of Penn State. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, and then Kyler... Gordon, who I like at corner. I like Jalen Johnson. And can Eddie Jackson bounce back? So we talk about the defense. The defense is still – I like the defensive players. I think they'll play the cover two well enough. So I, obviously I'm taking the over. But I don't disagree. This is not a playoff football team. This is not a double-digit win football team. This is not an eight- or nine-win football team. They have to get better on the offensive line, and maybe Braxton Jones is that left tackle of the future, but it ain't this year. And week one, we're going to see some maybe not so likable things from Braxton Jones going against Nick Bosa. Also, Alex Leatherwood going to suit up for the Bears? I, yeah, I'd be the backup. So, you know, they already labeled him their developmental project. Like, they know they have work to do with him. And they're hoping Chris Morgan can do that, their offensive line coach. To me, it's a six or seven one football team. I, I look at this team, they're young. I think they're the youngest football team in the NFL right now, which says a lot. I mean, they don't have very many guys on the other side of 30. So what, what are they going to get? Six, seven wins. I, I think that's a conservative estimate. But the biggest piece is, can Justin Fields elevate a guy like Dante Pettis, who we saw in New York, wasn't very good. Can Justin Fields get St. Brown involved where we all know Aaron Rodgers, once you got on Aaron Rodgers' bad side, you were excommunicado. Like, you, you might as well be a guy that John Wick is trying to kill because that's how petty Rodgers is. But Velius Jones Jr., it's just so similar to what the San Francisco 49ers do, which I find to be such an intriguing matchup going into this game, is that they looked at Jones Jr. as being their Debo Samuel. They're like, same body type, same type of speed. Let's see if we can turn him into Debo. So I, I don't know, but I still think the six or seven win football team. Another thing to be concerned with you guys, you have eight guys on the IR. For the Bears? Yeah. Jeez. 
I'm trying to think of who. I mean, if David Moore, nah. Sharp, Neil Harry, Doug Kramer, Dakota Dozier, uh, Michael Joseph, Trayvon Young, Javin White. Yeah, I think some of those guys will put on. I know Trayvon Young's probably going to be a roster cut. They kind of put there, so that's going to be an injury settlement. David Moore's probably already gone. Um, these are lower-end roster guys, yeah. guys that I don't worry about too much. Uh, Nikhil Harry's an interesting one, though, that they kept him, put him on IR, and didn't release him. Well, that was a little interesting one. I, you know, I guess they're trying to save a seventh-round pick there. All right. We said our piece about the Bears. And now it's Henry's turn to be a homer. Um, the San Francisco 49ers uh, coming off of a NFC championship game appearance in which many people, Henry included, uh, think that they should have won that game. Uh, Jaworski Tart, you can thank him for that, oh, um, among others. Uh, and now the Niners come in uh, over under at nine and a half. They said goodbye to Jimmy G and then they said hello again to Jimmy G. But it seems like Trey Lance is going to get the starting job here, but he's thrown approximately 300 footballs in in-game action since he's a senior in high school. So uh, I think there's a concern a little about Trey Lance coming in, and I think having Jimmy as a backup is fine, but I think the uh, vote of confidence for Lance is kind of shown with that transaction. Matt, uh, we started with Henry for the Bears, so we'll start with you with the Niners at uh, nine and a half. A uh, talented team uh, should still be a pretty good one, but do you think that's a big number or not? This is so dependent on the quarterback position. It's silly. I mean, this roster is great. I mean, there's not a lot to hate on one through 52. It's just when you get to the quarterback position, I think this team would be better in the short term with Jimmy G. The long term, you got to find out what you have in Trey Lance. And I'm not sure if Trey Lance is that guy. Like The one stat that we always see that has proven to lead to failures at the quarterback position when drafting them is the amount of starts in college. And Trey Lance had the fewest amount of starts of any quarterback taken in the, in the draft, modern draft history. So now I just wonder, is, is Trey Lance that guy? But how I talked about Trey Lance, or Justin Fields in this offense, Trey Lance is not far behind in a Shanahan type of offense for skill, for traits. But sometimes you got to have film. You, you got to play the games to see those show up. And that's what worries me about Lance. I, I absolutely love this 49ers roster, but it, it, I agree with Henry. If, if they had Justin Fields, this may be a Super Bowl contending, like the top team in the NFC. That's how loaded they are. But I just don't love what they have at the quarterback position. I, I'll take the over, though. I think they get the 10 wins. All right, nine and a half, Henry. Um, you're wearing the Trey Lance jersey. You're mm-hmm. a, a known. I got, uh, I got my Jimmy D in the closet, but I still got it. Say, but you, you've been outspoken on your disdain for Jimmy Garoppolo in the past. Cost um, he cost me a Super Bowl with the today retiring Emmanuel Sanders. So, <laughs> all right, so not enough. Uh, what do you think? I, I think they go over. I mean, uh, that this team is deep, you know, just like I said with the Colts, the 49ers are a team built on depth and just explosiveness. And you look up and down this roster, and this is what they do, including Trey Lance, you know, Trey Lance. We don't know what we're going to see in terms of a passer, but there's no doubt that this kid is explosive with his legs and he can create plays. Um, I think what they did with Jimmy G, you know, we, we have fun at, at each other's expense and each other's teams, but I think this was a very smart move, what they did. I think they 
they gave themselves cap space. First of all, they created cap space. They kept Jimmy G, which whether you love him or hate him as a fan, it, it was clear that he was beloved in that locker room by those players. You know, when he was healthy, you say what you want. The, the Niners got wins with Jimmy G, no matter what the stats look like at the end of the day, there was a shitload of W's in that column when he was playing. Um, he did take them to a Super Bowl and, and could have been too if Jaquarski Tart catches the fucking ball. Um, you know, Jimmy G is what he is. He's a game manager. Um, I think this 49ers wide receiving core is so underrated. I love their core. Debo, you guys made fun of me all last year. Debo, Debo, Debo. Now everybody's on the Debo train. I probably expect him to take a little step back because he's he's just going to be covered differently this year. I joined you on that train last you, year. You did. Eventually, you did. But yeah, I, I, I gave him some MVP love. Brandon Ayuk, um, every every throw you see Trey Lance making in the preseason and 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 in uh, warm-ups is, is to Brandon Ayuk. You know, they, they have something there. They're spending a lot of time in the offseason together. Jawan Jennings, I was a fan of, you know, last year I told you guys he was good. They drafted Danny Gray, which I really like. I think this 49er core receiving core is just absolutely amazing. You have George Kittle, which I think I saw something he's dealing with an injury, so I'm not even sure if he's playing um, on Sunday. But Kyle Juszczyk is, is Kyle Juszczyk. He's going to go down as the greatest fullback in the history of this game, probably. Um, let me live, all right? Let me live. Did Mike Allstott not exist? Let me live. I said let me live. No, but no. Kyle Juszczyk is, is an amazing player, and, and – they find ways to fit him in the scheme, whether it's running or, or catching. Last year, he threw a touchdown. I, I love this team. I love the defense. You saw last year with D'Amico Ryan. When they lost Rob Salah, they took a step back, and D'Amico Ryan made adjustments throughout the season. He made adjustments, and you saw them, and I think he's going to make even more adjustments this year. Bosa's fully healthy. He's an absolute beast. I'm, I'm very, very high on my nine. I'm taking the over. I know you guys make fun of me, but this, this is – you know, this is a, a Super Bowl roster. I mean, it all comes down to what Trey Lance can do. You know, if Trey Lance is, is a good quarterback, they're going to go further. But I, I I love Jimmy G right behind him. I think he can pick up whatever slack Trey Lance, you know, if they have to pull the plug. My only question, and, and I think, is what does it do to the players in the locker room? Like, you know, some guys rock with Trey, some guy rock with Jimmy. They can say what they want to say. Oh, I'm you know, we're friends. We're cool. If you're Trey, you don't want a guy like Jimmy G breathing down your neck. If you're Jimmy G, you're winning all these fucking games. You're getting paid. You're beloved. You don't want to just be the backup. So they can say what they want, but I'm sure there's something there. It's just a matter of how that's handled. And I think Shanahan is a great coach to handle that situation. We'll say one thing that's not getting a lot of play and something that you need to be very concerned about as a 49er fan, especially being in a division with the Rams. Your center and two guards have a total of three NFL starts. That is an area of concern. And you have a quarterback that Randy said has only thrown 300 passes since his senior year in high school. That is a lot of inexperience in some very important positions. I agree. I don't disagree. Luckily for those guys, they have uh, <laughs> Mike McGlinchey and Trent Williams uh, sandwiching them in there, right? I mean, those are the two of the best tackles you could ask for uh, to lead to lead the, the front there. So uh, Niners have a lot of things. The, the Niners drafted TDP, um, Terry on Davis Price. That kid has been amazing. They, like I said, they let um, Trey Sermon go. They let Jermichael Hasty go because of this kid. And I, and I think 
he's going to push Elijah Mitchell for a lot of those touchdowns in those power situations because this kid is a freight train. He it better doesn't. not have Mitchell in fantasy last night. So. Listen to me. He's going to to usurp a lot of touchdowns from, from Eli. Shut up. <laughs> what running back is on the practice squad that's going to start the majority of their game? So that's the guy I know who to pick up on the waiver wire. <laughs> that would be Jordan Mason. Okay, I'm going to pick up Jordan Mason. Seriously. Um, all right. So this game. Bears uh, bringing in the Niners into Chicago, uh, Soldier Field. San Francisco is favored by seven on the road. I just think these two teams are at different levels, obviously, based on our analysis. I think the Niners go over on their win total, as do the two of you. And uh, we, the Bears, although we disagree, we, we agree that the Bears won't be the greatest football team ever this year. So give me the Niners. I think they cover in this one. Uh, Henry, you think your Niners uh, win big? I think you already kind of hinted at that earlier. Uh, I was saying, you know, tongue in cheek, but you said it was seven or seven and a half. Seven. I, I think they went by exactly seven. So I'm torn no. here. The Bears played the Niners last year, and Jimmy G rushed for two touchdowns. So I got to figure, can Trey Lance rush for two touchdowns? Or I think the Niners win. I think it's going to be a lot closer than what a lot of people think. I think this is a bigger game for the Bears to make a statement about their season. Um, I'll take the Bears to cover, Niners to win. All right. Um, that's, that's it for the early games. Let's do the 4 o'clock games, and we're going to start with my New York football giants. And they uh, go to Tennessee to play the Titans, which is a weird week one game, but nonetheless, it is what we got. Um, and I got to say, this is the best I've felt about a Giants season coming into it since 2018. And that's not to say that I think the Giants are going to be a good football team. It's just how I feel about the future of the organization. Now, this is because Dave Gettleman is no longer my general manager. Yes, I mean, that goes a long way for me. That means uh, Joe Judge is no longer my head coach. Yes, that goes a long way for me. Um, I have trust in the powers at, at, that be, uh, Joe Shane, Brian Dable, to make this work. Now, it's going to take time. I have preached to all of my family and friends who are Giants fans to be patient. They are not going to be a good football team this year. Um, um, but you have to hope to see a system being put into place. Maybe you see uh, optimism with play calling, with the scheme, um, maybe some of the younger players that they have. Uh, and then this is going to be uh, a process to get the right players in place to make this work. So um, the Giants over under on the year is insane at seven and a half. <laughs> I don't see how in the world they win eight games. Um, I'm going to hammer the under on that. And look, they have an easy schedule. I just think they are one of the easy teams on the schedule for the other teams as well. And I've said that the last few years. However, there's a big upgrade in the coaching staff, in my opinion. I think Dayball paired with Kafka, who's going to call plays, along with Wink Martindale, who they took from the Ravens as defensive coordinator. They are going to make a bit of a difference because the talent on this team is not there, but I do think they will be coached up much better than they have been in the past. For me, it's not about wins and losses. It's just not being an embarrassment of an organization. And I think the Giants are going to make progress in that front. But to me, they didn't take uh, pick up the fifth-year option on Daniel Jones. He's gone. Saquon Barkley, I thought they should have tried to trade in the offseason. Wouldn't surprise me if they tried to trade him in season, although I think the asking price is a little bit too high. I think that's probably why we're still stuck with him. 
Dave Gettleman left this situation in the worst possible way. Um, we laugh at the Christian Kirk uh, contract. I guarantee he outproduces Kenny Galladay in the first month of the season than Kenny Galladay does at all in the first two years of his entire contract. Uh, he has been atrocious. He doesn't get separation. He looks completely disinterested. Um, and to me, it's just it's a, uh, there's a lot of pieces that Dave Gettleman totally botched on this team. With that said, I think the Giants have two very promising tackles. Andrew Thomas, I think, has already kind of established himself as a very good tackle. And Evan Neal has potential to match that level, and that is optimism uh, on that front. I don't love that Thibodeau got hurt in the preseason. How could I possibly? But I'm hoping that he can overcome that and show some hustle and show some uh, some of the motor that he got drafted fifth overall for. Um, overall, the defense is going to stink. They cut Blake Martinez. Uh, their best corner is Adoree Jackson, who I don't think is very good. And, uh, look, the Giants are going to be a tough watch. They're going to give up a lot of points, and you got to hope that they can score some. Not totally optimistic on that front either. So, for me, this is my analysis. They're going to win five, six games. And if we're lucky, they'll win less so they can be in the uh, the Bryce Young sweepstakes come April. Uh, Matt, let's go to you first on the Giants. Well, I'm with Henry. I think he's one of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, mm-hmm. And not necessarily a bad thing for the Giants because you got to kind of take a look at this season like, look, we want to see competent play calling, competent coaching. You know, can, can you play clean football? Um so I'll take the under on it, and I think it's a good thing because they need to get a quarterback in there that has a higher pedigree than, let's face it, Daniel Jones is your starting quarterback. Pencil him in for 25 turnovers. So he's, he's going to lose you games. Yeah, to me, Daniel Jones is going to be a guy who takes the you know a Darnold-type role next year with a franchise who might need a quarterback. Maybe it's the Texans who don't love Davis Mills. Maybe it's the Seahawks who don't end up with a guy that they like. It's going to be a team with in football purgatory who maybe it's the Lions who are ready to move on from Goff. And I don't think really Jones is that much of an upgrade on Goff, if at all. But it's going to be that situation. I just Jones is not going to be the quarterback for the Giants in 2023. So, And if he makes them worse and gets them a better draft pick, then, hey, this year, is actually a blessing then so uh henry the uh, seven and a half number for the giants what do you think way way below i think yeah. the two the two best guys in your organization are dabble and martindale and they're not even playing yeah. <laughs> um, look I, I get it it's it's part of the plan right you addition by subtraction you get rid of the old regime you know you, you got to start somewhere um but i think this year the giants just they, they get their asses handed to them danny jones is not that guy we knew he wasn't that guy. Um, I was surprised they didn't pick up that fifth-year option, to be honest with you. I thought they, they could and try to salvage something, but they must just – they know what it is. He's, he's not he's not it. Um, well, so, did, what happened? Yeah, no, and to, to the larger point, like the, you brought up the old regime. The old regime left nothing in the cupboard. Yeah, like there, there's nothing there that you'd be like, okay, I can take this. Like we could take a look at certain teams. Like, yeah, there's stuff there. The Jags have stuff there. You know, the Bears have some stuff there. The Texans have some stuff there. The Giants have nothing that I would want to keep. Including cap space. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Gettleman really just took a blowtorch to this entire thing, but he didn't burn down the house. He left enough of it up so someone else has to tear it down. The Giants are... Uh, I need to to put some breaking news into this podcast. Um, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa just hit a grand slam against the Twins. Get the fuck out of here. I I swear to God. (laughs) Yankees doing the board's work. Yes. Uh, Four to one now. That is my guy, Randy. You know that. That's 
Hey, I, I, I'm coming around. I like the guy. My little contact um, slap hitter. Leave him alone. I love it. I love the, I love the little pop from the guy too. Uh, okay. Yeah. The giants, um, low expectations from me, but overall I need to see the wheels in motion as a process. They're already cutting uh, Leonard Williams contract down and adding a void year sooner. Cause that contract has been an absolute disaster. Thank you, Dave Gettleman. Uh, they reduced reduce Slayton's contract to the league minimum shepherd. Wouldn't surprise me if he's a cut, like their cap situation is freaking brutal. So they're going to stink for a little while before they get good. And that's fine. Um, to me, it's now you could properly rebuild other than just throwing shit at the wall. Hope it sticks kind of like what Gettleman was doing. So let me ask, let me ask, let me ask you, because I, I think Yankee and Met fans always kind of give each other shit in that scene as a rivalry. I think the Giants Jets is definitely a real rivalry between fan bases. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Who's out of the league first, Darno or Jones? Because for years, you guys were giving each other shit about the quarterbacks <laughs> and they both suck. <laughs> Who's out of the league first? I would say Darnold just because he was drafted first. Um, he's already on a second chance, and he already got hurt. So, And he got supplanted. <laughs> and he got supplanted. So, to me, Jones is at the very least going to get another opportunity. So, I would say just based on timing alone, it'll be Darnold. But both guys probably aren't long for the league. But, hey, these uh, kind of athletic white dudes <laughs> end up being backups for a long time. Who knows? It was, uh, it was the worst – it was like the worst troll job by both fan bases. Like your quarterback sucks. Yours does too. Yeah. But not as bad as yours. It's the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all can agree. Saquon was the wrong pick, but Darnold certainly would not have been the correct. Pick. Some of us would agree. Some of us will still say that is the right, that was the right pick. Yeah. Uh, our boy Vince is too busy getting the heart on over. I can't. Oh yeah. I love it. <laughs> Uh, okay, now to the Tennessee Titans. Um, they are coming off being the one seed in the AFC last year, only to lose to the Cincinnati Bengals in the divisional round. They come into 2022 with their over-under at nine and a half. Gotta say, I don't love the number. I think it's a little much, but the division is favorable, uh, but the AFC in general is tough. So, Henry, you look at the nine and a half number, do you think that they could sneak into another uh, division title? And, uh, you know, I don't think they get another buy, but, you know, I think the division is certainly uh, up for grabs, but I think both of us like the Colts uh, more than we like Tennessee. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I like the Titans. Um, I think in that division, they can probably sneak out 10 wins. Um you still have the best running back on the planet, right? Or are we still calling? Or are we calling he Jonathan Taylor? The foot injury is real. The foot injury is real. Look, when you run the way he runs, and you get used the way he gets used, you know what happens. You know, you have a limited shelf life as a running back. But if he's on that field, I'm taking Derrick Henry over everybody. Um, look, Tannehill does what he does. Tannehill manages the game. He's not great. He's not bad. You know, he's he's okay. You know. Um, he's had himself a, a decent career. I, I, look, I like Tennessee. Um, I don't think they'll win the division, but I think they'll win 10 games. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to go the under. I just don't buy them. I think losing A.J. Brown is a huge loss. They obviously don't have Julio, which didn't do much for them last year. But their best receiver is Robert Woods, and then they're relying a lot on Traylon Burke, the rookie that they drafted out of Arkansas. So I don't love that either. Um, if Henry is um, – banged up in the foot then what like what is this team I, I really have questions like Harold Landry already went down with an ACL so the defense already took a big hit um I just I don't love it um I would like to see Malik Willis get some playing time I just with their what they're paying Tannehill I can't I, I just don't see it 
And the way that uh, Rabel was talking to Willis in the preseason, it seemed like he's much further away um, than, than, you know, I probably thought, but I guess when you go to Liberty, you're not exactly pro ready when you come into it. Uh, Matt Bushnell, nine and a half for the Titans. What do you think? Look, all I know is a man that's willing to chop off his own junk is a guy that I'm willing to play for. So <laughs> give me the over on Tennessee. I, I like the Vrabel X factor. I like the offensive line. I like Traylon Burks. I, I'm, I mean, I don't. He's similar to AJ Brown. Yes. But yeah, very. But similar. it's been. It's just going to take a year, probably, for him to reach that AJ Brown level. But I mean, it's a bad division between them and the Colts. I, I think they get the over. I, I go 11 wins for Tennessee. I, I, I like Vrabel. He's he's kind of that Harbaugh Tomlin mold, where you just want to play for the guy and you're willing to give everything that you have. And getting Taylor Lewan back is going to be huge as well. I agree. Yeah. So we'll see what the Titans um, overall, though. I mean, they, they get a, an ideal week one matchup here against my Giants. Uh, they are favored by five and a half. And the Giants super fan known as license plate guy um, asked a question to the Giants fans. He's like over under 30 yards for Derrick Henry. And half the replies were on his first carry or for the game. <laughs> <laughs> So I expect a big day for Derrick Henry, and I think the Titans uh, beat the Giants by two scores. So I I have to go back to my fantasy draft, and it was the second to last pick of the draft that I had. So 16th round here, and I'm looking for a defense, and I'm just like, ah, whatever. I'll just pick the Bears because it doesn't show you who their week one opponent is. So the first thing I do after the draft, I was like, all right, who's playing the Giants week one? I picked up Tennessee's defense. Smart. It's smart. No, it is a good move. You should. I Streaming know. defense is a highly recommended fantasy. I'm looking at that depth chart. I didn't realize uh, Howard Landry was on the I.O. I.R. He just tore his ACL, yeah. Yeah, Holy I mean. shit. Yeah. Yeah, he's done. I'm done. That's a big loss. Yeah, they got Bud Dupree. I mean, that's a big, big loss, man. But either way, the, the Tennessee is so far and better. They, they'll control the clock. They'll cover the, what, seven points is the spread? It's five and a half. Five and oh, a half. five and a half. Yeah, I see Tennessee winning by a touchdown. Give me Tennessee 24 to the Giants 10. I think it's more like two touchdowns. I, I could see 28 to 14, maybe 28, 17. I just don't think the Giants are going to be ready quite yet. I'll take 20. Who's tackling Derrick Henry? The Giants have no linebackers. Yeah. I'll take I'll take 28 uh 2817. Yeah. The Giants uh, better hope this Giants. All right. Um we're going to move on now to a game that you're probably going to be closely watching in the NFC North and it's a divisional rivalry between the Minnesota Vikings uh hosting the Green Bay Packers. Uh, and it's a different look uh, for the Packers, but we're going to start with the Vikings, who uh, have Kevin O'Connell as their head coach now, the old offensive coordinator of the Rams. Um, there's a lot of uh, buzz around this team. I think they have a ton of talent with uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, who's a touchdown machine, Dalvin Cook, who is an injury-prone guy, but uh, they get production out of him in Madison seemingly every single year. And then um, really it's Kirk Cousins in the offensive line. Other the questions, the defense isn't the greatest thing ever either. But I expect this team to put up points. Their over-under is at nine and a half. I think that's a, a decent number for this team. What do you think? I'm taking yeah, the under. Yeah, I'm taking the under. I, they're an eight to nine win football team. Just what I see. And 
I know people have Kirk Cousins as their MVP, and, and that's fine. I, I, I don't like really looking at the Vikings and Packers and trying to figure this crap out because this is kind of annoying. I mean, the Bears have historically beat the Vikings once, at least once every year. I think the Lions play the Vikings tough, but it's always the Packers that smoke everybody. You know, the Packers will lose one game to the Vikings, but then go five and one in the division. That's just who the Packers are. So it's kind of like, all right, where are the losses for the Vikings? And it's not a weak, um, I'm sorry, it's a weak division. It's a weak NFC. I could see the Vikings making the playoffs. I don't love them, but I, I go under, but I think they get nine wins. All right. Uh, the Vikings, what do you got? I think the Vikings get 10 wins, and, I, and I, they, they can score points, man. This team can score points. And I think this is the year Green Bay takes that step back. I mean, it's Aaron Rodgers and who, you know, on this team. I can go through it if you like. I, I, I'm not high on the Packers this year. I, I think they finally take that step back. Um, I, I'm going to go with the, the Vikings. I mean, I, I think the Vikings win this. I think this might be the game of the week. Well, let, let's. Well, we have a couple more games that are very good on the list that we're going to get to. This is one of the best games of the week yeah. for sure. I just, I, I think I like the Vikings probably more than I should, but I really like their talent. And I, I like KJ Austin, yeah. Jalen Rager as the, the third receivers. The defense scares me a little bit, but you, you, the front is good with Tomlinson and Phillips. Um, Blacklock it actually kind of came out a little bit last year. Daniel Hunter coming back healthy. Um, they take Cesaria Smith from the Packers. Um, I like that move quite a bit too. Secondary suspect, Smith isn't the same guy anymore. Patrick Peterson also not the same guy. Um, Lewis Seen, they drafted Andrew Booth junior they drafted so they're relying a lot on the young guys so we'll see with the secondary but this offense should put up points and I think that's going to be good enough for them to be in a lot of games and to win a lot of games so I guess it comes down to how much you like for cousins so I don't love the guy but he puts up numbers every single year and I think they're going to be on the over because of it I agree uh, go ahead Matt oh, I, I I disagree I I think when you take a look at the Vikings that defense doesn't play well in my opinion okay Neil Hunter he's had some issues there's some I can't remember exactly I think it was mental you know some issues there and they weren't sure if he was coming back but Darius Smith is not the player who they think they're getting I mean the Packers were okay to let him go and the Packers have cap space to keep him um, to me I do. You can't really complain about the offense outside of the issue. Is Dalvin Cook healthy enough? I know they explored trading uh, Matson, uh, tight end position. I'm not in love with um, Irv Smith Jr. By the way, I drafted him, so expect the season long IR stink coming up pretty soon. So um, I, I did a solid there, and I drafted Amron St. Brown. So any Lions fans, if he has a season-ending yeah. injury, we have a three leagues. Don't do this to my guy. Hey, I drafted him. Anything's possible. The Bushnell curse is very real. <laughs> Ask everyone in my fantasy baseball league. And last year in our fantasy football league, I had guys injured too. So I'll just say this. The Vikings are, I think, the closest competition to the Packers. But to me, I don't see the level where they need to be at to compete with the Packers on that level. So let's get into the Packers then. 
Uh, their over-under is 10 and a half. Uh, no more Devontae Adams for them. Um, their receiving core, you know, number one receiver now is Alan Lazard. Sammy Watkins is listed as the second receiver, followed by Randall Cobb. And then you have rookies Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs uh, as the guys. And then Robert Tanyan, who's, you know, kind of always hurt uh, in there too. So really this is a, the thing about the Packers is they're going to really embrace this run first offense with Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon. And I think those two guys are very good. They might be the best running back duo in the NFL. It's between them and the Browns, but I do really love that part of it. Cause I think their offensive line is still really good as well. Um, but Matt, you were adamant about the Packers still being that team. So make, make the case for green Bay and then that they're not going to miss Adams as much as people think. They have the best secondary in the NFL. It's, it's not really close. Uh, Jair Alexander is great. Adrian Amos is fantastic. Um, they, they just have players in the secondary that can play. One through six in their secondary is better than anybody else in the NFL, and it's not particularly close. Um, they still have Preston Smith, who I like a lot. Uh, Kenny Clark is still a force in the middle of that defensive line. And then you take a look at that offensive line. That offensive line is deep. It is a top three offensive line in the NFL with David Bakhtiari if he's fully healthy. It is a stalwart. You're not going to be able to get to Rodgers. And then I did another solid for all NFC North fans. I drafted Aaron Jones. So we could expect maybe a season-long IR stint after week one as well. So, but, and then I'll say this. Romeo Dobbs may be the best receiver on the Packers right now. That is wow. a guy I would not sleep on. He has been burning teams, and him and Rodgers have developed this connection going to require a lot of work, but I, I think out of the wide receivers, the Packers have the worst situation in the NFL when it comes to wide receivers, but you still got Aaron Rodgers. He's, he's, and like you said, Randy, the run game is going to be heavily present in this Packers team. Are they really so going to run first with Aaron Rodgers just coming off of an MVP though? Yeah, why not? So. Yeah, why not? They, 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 did I mean, they might have to by default because that wide receiving core is ass. Yeah, I, right now it is. But you got to see how Kristen Watson develops and how Romeo Dobbs develops. I but like Lazard a lot. Maybe I'm in the minority, but I think Lazard is legit. He's a big body guy. And I remember, look, the, who was Devontae Adams? Looks like Matt uh, froze on us here, Henry. Uh, yeah, he was about to say something ridiculous, like who was Devontae Adams before Aaron Rodgers. So <laughs> Zoom just cut him off because Devontae Adams <laughs> – you can make an argument saved uh, Aaron Rodgers' ass plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I guess Bushnell will be going over 10 and a half on that, and we can check back in before we make the game predictions. But what do you think of 10 and a half for the Packers, Hank? I, I, I tell you, I think this is the year they take a massive step back. I think I'm going to take the under on that one. I'm not a fan of that wide receiving core one bit. Yeah, see, to me, I think uh, I think they're a good football team. Don't get me wrong. I just don't think they are – um division favorites by far and also you know number one seed in the nfc by far like they have been the last few years so i, I do think that they're a 10 win team but by this uh by this metric that means they would go under um bushnell is now gone from the broadcast so i wonder if he's going to be returning so we're going to continue on and roll through this and if we can check back in with him we will try um but this lot the line on this game hank um we're looking at Green Bay minus one and a half and in Minnesota. And I got to say, I don't know what it is about the Vikings. I just really, really like them this year. And I think they're going to make a statement right here, right off the bat. And they're going to beat Green Bay at home. What do you think? 
I, I agree, and I think they're going to do it pretty convincingly. I'm going to go 31-19 uh, Vikings. Yeah, I, I just think I, – I think Justin Jefferson is going to be potentially you know, offensive player of the year um, kind of guy, and he's he's just going to be like this year's Cooper Cup who's going to put up insane numbers and just be uncoverable. He's going to be in the end zone doing the gritty an awful lot. So – and I know the Packers secondary is great. I just – Jefferson – I think I still think Jefferson's going to kind of have his way with them. So Cooper Cup. You see, I started talking nice about the Packers, and the internet was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much what we said. You were about to, you were about to give us some, you know, Devontae, Devontae hate, and you just got cut. Yep, they're like, nope, you cannot do this. I, I, I'm, I'm going to take the Packers to win 24-23. All right, look at that. Um, so Henry and I higher on the Vikings than Matt. Matt, Matt's still all in on the Packers, so let's see if his internet connection will allow him to continue with the show after that. Um, <laughs> okay. Potentially. All right. So we talk about game of the week. I, I love that game. This game coming up might be my favorite game. And maybe, maybe I think higher of the Arizona Cardinals than I should. Okay. I was going to guess, but that wasn't my guess. What were you going to say? I was going to, I thought you were going to go uh, Tampa Bay, Dallas. So that's obviously that's the America's game of the week, whether we all want it to be or not. So uh, <laughs> that should be a good one. It's just to me, I'm I'm so interested to see the Chiefs this year uh, and what they look like without Tyreek Hill. But um, they do have to play the Cardinals, who uh, I guess it could be a potential disaster scenario in Arizona. So let's start with the Cardinals. Um, their over under sits at eight and a half. Um, no DeAndre Hopkins for the first six weeks due to a suspension. So what do the Cardinals do? They trade for Hollywood Brown uh, from the Viking, uh, from the, the Ravens, I should say. Uh, and, and they gave up their first round pick for him. And I don't necessarily think Hollywood Brown's worth a first round pick, but I think in the offense, he could have potential. And I like him even more when Hopkins comes back, but I don't know what to make of the Cardinals early on. Uh, eight and a half seems like a steep number, but the NFC is not that good. So at the same time, it's interesting to see what they could end up with. Um, but the Kyler extension with the homework stuff and that embarrassing situation, I just exactly. I don't have great feelings about Arizona, Matt. Um, you're no longer an Arizonian, um, but you're tied. Uh, you're you're interested in the team still, and I'm going to tag Corey in this uh, this segment. But what do you what do you make of eight and a half for the Cardinals this year? I think they go over. I, I think the take a look at the NFC West. I think it's one of the best divisions in football, uh, minus that one team up north and uh, that state of Washington. The Cardinals have some stuff to prove, though. I think the 49ers have a better roster, and I think the uh, Rams do as well. So I, I think it'll be an interesting matchup, but I think the Cardinals can do some things this season that will go a long way. I think Hopkins is going to have to have a big comeback when he comes back. Hollywood Brown's going to have to be huge. And I don't know if it was a Lamar Jackson factor. Maybe this really helps him expand his role. But I still, I, I get confounded with their running back situation. They kept James Conner, who seemed mostly like a red zone type of option. But if he's your bell cow running back, I still don't know. And Cliff Kingsbury, to me, is always that coach that I, I don't think he gets it. You know, it's running a lot of the same plays. He's, he's got to switch it up. And then the biggest loss for them, in my opinion, is Chandler Jones on the defensive side of the football. That That's massive. And I know Isaiah Simmons was a high draft pick they've had, but there's some things here that Arizona's got to get right this year, or Cliff Kingsbury and Steve Kahn might not be around after this one. 
that's why I don't have a great feeling about it. Eight and a half, I, I kind of I don't have great vibes around it. Um, Henry's team in your division, last year they started off undefeated. I think they were 8-0, right? I mean, they were the last remaining undefeated team. I can't get the look of Kyler's face out of my head when he faced the Rams in the playoffs and it looked like Aaron, like Aaron Donald was a ghost just torturing him. And he was, he, he could not be more terrified that look on his face. I, I'll never forget. Um, so I don't love the, the, the Cardinals, but you know, they always do this thing where they start off decent and then they fade off. I kind of feel like it's going to be the opposite this year when they get Hopkins back. Um, but I still don't know if I love the eight and a half number Henry. What do you make of the Cardinals this year? I, I think you guys nailed every single point that I was even thinking about. Um, big, big, big loss with Hopkins. I think he's a big security blanket for Kyler. Um, you know, for, for years, we've been calling every other wide receiver the best wide receiver in the game, and it's been Hopkins for like five years, right? Um, Kyler Murray Kyler Murray's a good quarterback, but the homework stuff, getting smoked in the playoffs, choked a couple times. Um I'm shocked that they did not go out and, and add depth to the running back core. You know, is James Conner really – is that legit? What we saw last year, that that comeback season that he had, is that legit? I mean, is that – you know, maybe he had a break and he can't – I just can't see him as the everyday back. And, you know, Benjamin and Darrell Williams, that, that doesn't scream like a, a nice, uh, you know, depth of, of wide receivers there. So I'm not a fan of their wide receivers – I mean, running backs at all. So I think the Cardinals take a step back this season. I'm going to go under nine and a half. And they still have to play the 49ers and the Rams in that division. So It's eight and a half, by the way. Eight and a half, I'm still going under. Yeah, I'm going under. I think eight is the right number for them. Um, and, you know, I'd be, I, I think Cliff is going to, is in real trouble this year. So we'll see what happens with the Niners, uh, with the, with the Cardinals. Now uh, on the flip side of things, the Kansas city chiefs, you know, different feel coming in this year. They obviously, uh, they blow the AFC title game to the Bengals. They had a commanding lead at halftime and they completely blow it. Unlike anything I've, I've, I could, I've seen from them. Uh, and then they, they trade Tyreek Hill. They just said, we're not going to give you that big contract. We are going to move on and, and become a more balanced team. And they gave that money to some offensive linemen and some defensive players and decided that, you know, we were obviously one dimensional and teams figured out how to defend them last year because of it. So I think this year they tried to become more balanced. And I think they did. Um, their number sits at 10 and a half. Um, Hank, I feel like if I can read you correctly, your energy on hating Aaron Rodgers is slowly transitioning into hating Patrick Mahomes. So I expect you to say under here. Actually, no, I'm, I'm actually a fan of Patrick Mahomes. I just think, and, and I've said this many times, I just think the way his career has taken off and how he's perceived has kind of been changed based on a few things here and there. I think we kind of look at him a little differently if he loses that game against the Niners and they don't come back again, but, the, but he's, He's fucking Patrick Mahomes, probably the most talented, you know, all around quarterback in the league. I mean, there's no hating that the guy is, he, he's very likable um, outside of him speaking because he sounds like fucking Kermit the Frog, but he's very likable. You hate him and Garrett Cole, what do they have in common? <laughs> he, he's fucking, he, he's a talented player. He extends plays. I, I think losing Tyreek Holo is a massive, massive blow. Say what you want about them being balanced or not. Pat Mahomes running around and creating space and time and Tyreek Hill just fucking the Jaguar that he is. He's throwing that ball up and Tyreek Hill's going to always come down with it. That security blanket is removed. Now I get it. I feel like there's a million and one wide receivers in this league. It feels like there's so many good wide receivers, right? 
So they they balance out. Yet they have um, Marquez Valdez Scanley. They have Juju. I get it. They're they're very balanced. But there's something about that home run swing that that you know Tyreek Hill gives you that you know they still have that with Kelsey. Kelsey's that you know blanket catches every fucking thing. But down the, down the field, man, you need one big play to score in 10 seconds, 19 seconds. We've seen it for the last four seasons. They fucking they they you know he's going to Tyreek Hill. He throws that bomb. Tyreek Hill outruns everyone, still catches it in what, 10 seconds. They're scoring. Uh, I'm not a fan of them trading that guy, man. I, I think that was a big, big mistake. This, that one-two punch was something amazing to watch. So, I uh, I, I like what they did with it, like replacing Ju- like uh, Hill with Juju. I think he's more of a possession guy. He's not the same kind of player. Right. Um, but I'll say this. I've been the leader of the running backs don't matter campaign for years now. If Tyreek Hill doesn't matter, maybe we need to evaluate how much wide receivers really matter in the NFL. Uh, like if the Chiefs' offense comes out and they're the same and they don't miss Hill at all, maybe we just need to figure out maybe if if receivers are held. Wide receivers play. matter. I just think we have so many talented wide receivers in this game right. that a lot of them, are, you know, plug and play. But Tyreek Hill is not a plug and play type of dude. I agree. He's different. I know his, I didn't love his hands. I don't think he had the greatest hands ever, but his explosiveness right. and his ability to change the game in one play is certainly unique. Big too. playability, big, big playability. Yeah. Uh, Matt Bushnell, you are the biggest Chiefs fan. That's not actually a Chiefs fan that I know. Um, they're over under sits at 10 and a half. Henry, did you pick 10? Did you pick the number, by I, the way? I picked, I picked over. Okay. Ten and a half uh, in, in probably the hardest division in the NFL in the AFC West. Um, I, I, I don't think they've ever won any less than 12 games in this era. So it's hard for me to say under. So I'm also going to go over Matt. What do you think of the chiefs, the new look chiefs uh, in 2022? I'm going to go under. So oh, when we talk about that division, it is such a meat grinder at this point. Every one of those teams is better. I mean, defensively, offensively, the Broncos got infinitely better by getting Russell Wilson. The Chargers got Khalil Mack to pair with Joey Bosa. And if Derwin James is healthy, that is about as good of three defensive players you're going to get on the field at once. And then you take a look at what the Raiders did with getting Chandler Jones to pair with Crosby and um, forget the other guy that they have. But All these teams outside of the Chiefs, like, we need to get to the passer. How can we get to the passer more efficiently? Go get Cleo Mack. Go get uh, Chandler Jones. It makes a difference. I think the Chiefs are still good. I I mean, don't take anything away from the Chiefs. But when you talk about teams that are this close together, there's going to be collateral damage. Like, I, I would be shocked if any team wins 11 games in this division just because of how brutal it's going to be to play these teams. Cause you got to play them six times. So I take a look at the chiefs. I like McCole Hardman a lot. And I think that's the name people are forgetting here. Like when you talk about breakaway speed, if McCole Hardman can become more consistent and catch the ball and he can do the things Tyree kill does, the speed is not that different. And, and I know Tyree kill gets a lot of credit. And also I expect a little F you from Patrick Mahomes to hear Tyree kill come out and say, Oh, well, Tua throws a more accurate pass than you do. And then you hear Sammy Watkins say, oh, well, Aaron Rodgers is just a different level quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. I mean, guys hear that. And as an athlete, you're going to take that as your chip on your shoulder. And I cannot stress this enough, and deservedly so. Patrick Mahomes won the football life best quarterback polls. Deservedly so. 
because he's been to four straight, four straight AFC championship games. He has won two of them. He lost his own. He lost one AFC championship to Tom Brady. He lost his one Super Bowl appearance against Tom Brady. He beat Jimmy Garoppolo in the 49ers, deservedly so in that Super Bowl where Jimmy G overthrew Emmanuel Sanders. He didn't beat us. No, no. (laughs) And then he lost to Joe Burrow, which I I don't really blame Patrick Mahomes because you could have ran the football there and you definitely could have double covered Jamar Chase. What the hell they were doing with Jamar Chase is beyond me. But Patrick Mahomes is the only quarterback in the NFL history to have been to four straight AFC titles, win a Super Bowl, only quarterback to be four straight and won one Super Bowl. So I don't think that's something that we can take lightly here. So you see when I said that Pat Mahomes gets the benefit of the doubt, you just proved my point. You went through all the reasons why he lost and who he beat when he won. Look, I'm actually going to renege here. Hold on. I'm going to renege. I I wanted to take a deep dive into their schedule. I'm going to renege, Randy. I'm going to go under. It's it's brutal. I'm going to give you their first nine weeks. Cardinals, Chargers, Colts, Bucks, Raiders, Bills, Niners. Then they have a bye week, come back against Tennessee. That's their first nine weeks. That's rough. That's a brutal schedule. I'm, I'm going to go under. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 I'm reneging and I'm going under. I'm playing spades here. It's tough. It's a tough schedule. Yeah, that's, that's I'm still going to go over. Schedule. I still think they're the cream of the crop. I think they have the best quarterback in the NFL. Um, and I think that they're out to prove um, – themselves once again um now for this game the chiefs uh in arizona they are getting six points against the cardinals um i think i'm gonna take uh the chiefs to win and to cover i think they win by a touchdown what do you guys think they're in arizona right yep yep two chiefs cover winning cover yeah i think they cover as well that's a big number on the road but i think they cover all right. I think it's going to be a long day for the uh, Cardinals defense. That's all, that's all I'm going to say. I just don't uh, to get to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sleeper pick, by the way, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, the, third, the third guy running back that's the third on the depth chart for the yeah. Chiefs. Uh, I really like him a lot. They're going to use him very creatively, and I just think Clyde Edwards-Alaire stinks, and this guy's going to end up taking his job by the end of the year. So, And I say football agrees with you because Pacheco's going really high in some drafts. Yeah. I, I've taken him in every opportunity I've been able to as a sleeper. I don't take him before like the 12th round, but uh, if I see him there <laughs> later, I will certainly try to scoop him up. All right. Now uh, our last four o'clock game, we're going to start cruising. We were already at the three hour mark. Jeez. I mean, we're really plowing. We're getting all, all a whole season's worth of that shows out in one go here. We're going to do this as quickly as we can. I'm the one that's got to work at four in the morning. So I hope you guys are good. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, we're going to go now to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Um, they are hosting the division rival Los Angeles Chargers. I always have to make sure I say these correctly with teams that move to different cities, so I don't have to put any money in a jar. Um, but for the Raiders season outlook, Matt Bushnell. Actually, Henry, I'm going to start with you. Uh, eight and a half for Vegas, and we've talked about how tough this division is. Um, you have confidence in the Raiders now with uh, Josh McDaniels and Devontae Adams. I, I do, but again, that, that division is what's scary, man. I, you know, we always talk about the NFC West, but like Matt said, I, I think that division is just you have four really good teams. You know, um, I'm, I'm going to take the under just just based on the division. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's going to be tough. Uh, I think the defense is a little suspect, although they did get Chandler Jones. Um, and they took Randy Gregory from the Cowboys. So I really do like the front that they have. But the rest of the defense is a little uh, suspect to me. So they're going to have to put up a lot of points to me. To I, I love Derek Carr with Devontae Adams, though. Me too. And I love that they've been friends and they played in college and he recruited him. I love all that. Um, Matt, what do you think of the eight and a half number? I'm going to take the over because I don't think you can understate the matchup issues teams are going to have with Darren Waller and Devontae Adams. That's mm-hmm. going to cause a lot of issues, even for teams, even for teams in the division, like the Chargers and the Chiefs and the um, Broncos. So I, I really like what they can do there. I like Josh McDaniels. The system's going to be so friendly to Derek Carr. And I, I think Josh McDaniels has learned. I know a lot of people hated this hire and they didn't think he deserved another one after he backed out of Indy in the Denver situation. But I think age makes you wiser. So I, I think it's something that Josh McDaniels will be able to learn from and build from. And I, I think with Chandler Jones, it makes a big difference on the defensive side of the football. So I, I, I like what they have here. So I'm going to take the over. I, I agree. I'm going to take the over at nine because I have a prediction about the playoffs that I'll make uh, once we're done with the week one slate. So I think the nine wins is the spot for Vegas. Uh, I think they're going to be a very fun offense. And like, I don't love McDaniels, but you can see the impact being felt in New England already without him there. So that has some value to me. And maybe he's not the best Belichick disciple. None of them are very good. But uh, I think his, this is his actual second chance. Uh, this is a, as good as any with the talent he has all over the place. And don't sleep on Hunter Renfro uh, as a guy who's going to eat up targets from Derek Carr because Adams is going to draw a ton of attention and Waller is going to draw a ton of attention and Renfro is going to be the guy scooping up all the slants and the curl routes, uh, dump offs from, from Carr. I take Hunter Renfro leads the NFL in receptions this year. I think that's a hot take at all. I think that's definitely on the table. And to Henry's point earlier, uh, great wide, wide receivers. Renfro's <laughs> one of them. I love his route running ability. He has great hands. So love me some Hunter Renfro. Uh, now on the Chargers side of things, um, I, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of teams are, uh, a lot of people, I should say, are all in on the Chargers. Very talented team. Hard to find a bigger Justin Herbert fan than me. And look, they added um Khalil Mack they added JC Jackson um they I think they have drafted pretty well since they've gotten uh, Her- uh Herbert so uh, I-, I think this team is poised and ready but I can't help but to forget <laughs> uh, I- I'm not going to forget about that last game uh, of the year where they to- completely choked against the Raiders and ended up praying for a tie for a chance at the playoffs like they stepped on themselves over and over again and they can't seem to get out of their own way no matter who is on the Chargers it'll be Philip Rivers uh now herbert but um their over-under sits here at 10 uh it's a big number we talked about how the tough this division is um and i'm just gonna say i think this is a push i think 10 is the exact correct number for the chargers and i think they go 10 and 7 so i think this is the first time we've had one of these in the show 10 feels exactly right to me matt uh, what do you think of the 10 number for the chargers i'm gonna take the over um, I, I like the Chargers a lot this year. I think defense matters. I mean, you can take away a number one wide receiver with J.C. Jackson. You can have Derwin James roaming over the top, and you can rush the passer with Mack and Bosa. I mean, I don't know what the hell else you can do defensively to be better than that. I mean, it, it's really good, and they, they have a really solid defense. And keep in mind, they have a Vic Fangio disciple as the head coach and Brandon Staley. The one thing I don't like is Brandon Staley because I think for – all the things that he did right, sometimes there's value in punting the football and going for it when you're on the when you're on your end of the 50 
is just bad football. It's bad decision making. I don't care what the analytics say. You know how we talk about baseball and football. You know, like analytics are starting to creep in. If you go for it here, you're more likely to score. Whatever, whatever it may be. So sometimes you have to play common sense. It's like, okay, well the numbers say this, but I, I'm I know this is the right decision to make, and let my defense get me out of this. But I, I like the Chargers, and I, I actually like them in the division. But we'll get to that later. All right, uh, Henry. Ten uh, for the for Los Angeles Chargers. What do you think? I'm going to. I'm going to pull up. Uh, I don't want to say this person's name because he's no longer in a group. He was doing a show with you. I'm going to pull a former person and just shoot myself in the foot. I said something a few minutes ago. I said no team gets uh, ten wins in this division. I I think the Chargers get exactly ten wins. <laughs> um, I just I looked at their schedule. You know exactly, you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I know you're looking oh, up. I don't even know who you guys are talking about. Randy will put it in the chat. Randy will put it in the chat. <laughs> I'm going to do a couple hair flips for you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> um, I, I look, I think the Chargers have a much lighter schedule than than the rest of that division. It's rough, but it, it's easier. I mean, they have a four-game stretch where they go uh, Jacksonville, Houston, Cleveland, um, and Seattle. So, I mean – I'm going to take the charges. I'm going to take the 10 wins. Um, like Matt said, you know, I, I think they win the division, even though that's jumping in a little bit. All right. So uh, this game, you have the Raiders as home dogs. So you got the Chargers get uh, favored by three points. I'm going to take the Raiders getting the points at home uh, when it's this close of a, of a matchup with these two teams in a really good division. If you're getting points as the, as the home team, I'm going to take you. So I think the Raiders win and cover. Um, I think the Chargers win. Okay. Yeah, I think the Chargers. I think this is a really, really good game too. I think this is the best game of the week, um, and I, I'm going to take the Chargers to win. But I think the Raiders cover. I, I think it's a one point game at the end. Yeah. But, by the way, I think. Uh, I think Justin Herbert kind of takes his mantle back from Joe Burrow as that, you know, I, I see these two guys as, as Manning and Brady coming in. I think they're yep. going to kind of always be those, those guys that go against each other, whether it's intentional or not. But I, I think Herbert kind of reascends to, to the top of the mantle of these two this season. And that, that's just good for us. Right. I mean, look, these two I mean, guys are doing what they can do. These, these fucking guys are great. It's something to talk about how healthy the quarterback position is in the NFL. I, I know the quarterback pull kind of turned out with a couple of blowouts, but anytime you can feature guys like Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, um, Aaron, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is probably at the end of his career. See, but even that, look what you said. You just, and, and that's what I love about this game is that you have the first four guys you named are, are two guys that are running quarterbacks who play a completely different style of football. Then you have Burrow and Herbert who play the more traditional pocket passer, fucking killer accuracy, balls of steel. Yeah. You got to love where the, where, where the quarterback position is right now. Yeah, I, you're not going to find a bigger Herbert fan than me. I, I love the guy. And I think he's uh, has potential to be, you know, peak the, the best quarterback in the league. I, I think he has Mahomes potential. Um, and I don't think uh, – I don't take that lightly. You know, I think he has as good of an arm strength. I don't think he's as creative with his legs or extending plays and stuff. But overall physical ability, I think he's got it all. Um, Mind you, Lawrence right. is supposed to be better than both of them, right? Yeah, you, you never know. 
Yeah. He's just in a really terrible situation. Yeah. It sucks. Um, okay. So now it's time for Sunday Night Football. And it's the same game that kicked off the season last year. It is the Bucks uh, going to Dallas this time to play the Cowboys. Um, Tom Brady, 45 years old. The first snap he takes, he'll be the first 45-year-old to ever play in an NFL game. Uh, the geriatric bastard will not go away. <laughs> He's like a cockroach. Uh, but, hey, he retired. He unretired. Now, you know, there could be uh, family issues. There could be uh, wifey issues, yeah. some kid, kid problems. Who knows? The guy's getting plastic surgeries left and right. He looks he looks weird. He doesn't look like a natural person anymore. It's just he, clearly he's had work done. Um, that's okay. You know, do you, man, I guess. Um, but I expect this to be the final year of Tom Brady in the NFL. And the Vegas has confidence in the Bucks in the weak NFC and in the weak uh, division. They have the over-under set at 11 and a half. But to me, it's just there's a lot of weird stuff coming into this year with the Bucks. I don't love the Brady stuff coming in as like right now. So I'm going to say under. I think 11 is more of an accurate number. But even then, I feel like I'm being nice with it. I just think there are more issues with the Bucks than we realize. I, don't, I think they've taken some blows on the offensive line. I just I, I don't they're going to be good. Obviously, the NFC is, is weak, so they're going to make the playoffs. and They're probably going to win the division. Um, but 11 and a half is a steep number for me. Uh, Matt, what do you think? I have to go the under here, and and I think once all these things we talk, you know, it's it's not the same level as Watson, but I mean it's hard going to work when you have home life issues, when you're yeah. arguing with your spouse, you know, you're wondering if you're spending enough time with your kids, like I mean, th- th- there's things to worry about here, and being a 45 year old quarterback in the NFL, I, 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 we always talk about how Brady's always defied the odds, like it, it shouldn't be happening like this. But there's something that doesn't feel right about this. Like, there's pieces to this. Bruce Arians is gone. Then Brady comes back because Bruce Arians is no longer the head coach. There was strain there. It's just, there's a lot there. I'm going to take the under, but I think it's 11. I don't think it's the 10 and a half. I don't think it's 12. So they get 11 wins exactly. Yeah, I think that's plenty good enough, too. I, you know, they'll figure it out by the playoffs and be ready to go for that. Uh, Henry, 11 and a half for the Bucks and the, the Tom Brady swan song. Uh, I'm going to go under. We, we Look, one thing that's undefeated is father time, right? And Tom Brady's probably the closest thing to it. Um, and, and I think he's pushing the limit here. You know, I, I think Tom Brady has nothing to prove in this game. Um, whether you're a Brady fan or not, he's arguably the greatest quarterback ever, right? I mean, it is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. He's defied the odds. I just, you know, when you start bringing the personal stuff into it, he's missed, what, four weeks camp, you know, issues with his wife because, you know, she said he was going to stay home. And those things are distractions. You're getting older, you know. By the way, Bruce Aarons is a great coach. Will we agree? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, Belichick was a great coach, right? Yeah, yeah. Brady had beef for both of them. I mean, there's something there. You know. Well, I mean, it's ego. It was ego. Of course, it's ego. Belichick. When you're the best at what you do, you have to walk around with a chip on your shoulder. But I, I think this is the beginning of the end. I think, uh, I think Brady stayed one year too late. You know, I, I think that that cute, cheeky shit of retiring and coming back was 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 a little tacky. You know, um, I'm not a fan of it. I, I think the the problems at home show up on the field. And I, and I think the Bucks take a step back and I think Brady takes a step back. I still think it's enough to win that division though. 
So let me ask you guys this question because I think we all agree that Brady's to go at this point, right? I'm not sure if there's any dispute in that. I mean, I'll, always, I'll always jockey for Peyton Manning, but I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Well, let me ask you guys this Did Michael Jordan coming to play those two years with the Wizards hurt his legacy, you think? No, no. Okay, so maybe this year when Brady comes back, it doesn't hurt his legacy, and people just kind of chalk it up to. Oh, it's, it's going to be old age, but I think it's it's you 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 always remember how guys end, right? Oh yeah, you want to go out on top, you want to go out on your terms, and then something tells me that's not going to happen here. Whether it be injury, I mean, the fact that he didn't be... want a Super Bowl with the Bucks to me is enough, though. You know, that, that was that was the stamp on. If you needed a stamp on the goat status, that was probably it, right? You got. He won from... the he won the breakup too. Bill, unless Bill somehow wins without him, he won. But one thing no one will say because those things are they always come down to one person. He went to an absolutely loaded team. Of course, oh, of yeah. course. But that will never be talked about. It was hey, you know, Brady left Belichick. He won. Belichick hasn't. That's that. Like you said, he won. He did go to a team that missed the playoffs the year before. I, I get it. I get it. So, but I, mean, he I, did I, make... do, I think we'll remember how it ended, and, and I don't think it's some. My gut tells me it's not going to end well. Well, it came I don't out. think he'll be. Go ahead, Matt. It came out. Remember who is that motherfucker? There, you keeping that motherfucker? It was Derek Carr. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Everyone yeah, thought yeah. it was. Uh, everyone thought it was the Niners. Remember? Yeah. No. It was yeah. Derek Carr and the Raiders. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. That was crazy. Um, he, he wouldn't have won the Super Bowl with that. I don't think so either. Not with Gruden, absolutely not. Oh. Um, I don't think it'll be as bad. Like it, the the last years of Peyton and the last years of Eli and Philip Rivers, like they were brutal. <laughs> like they yeah. they had no arm anymore. Yeah. And Brady looks like he still can throw the ball. It still seems fine. I mean, if the line falls apart and he's getting pressured, it could get ugly for him. But overall, I still think he's not too different than what he was last year. I just. I don't know. Maybe the mental aspect isn't there. Maybe that same edge isn't there if he's going through a divorce or whatever it is in his home life. I mean, it's possible that at 45, it doesn't, it's not the same, but um, think these things seem to work out for Brady uh, over his career. So uh, I don't think necessarily it's going to be uh, a, a too much of a game changer for him uh, on the field. Um, now on the Cowboys side of things, uh, they're coming off of an NFC East championship. They had one of the most uh, embarrassing Cowboy-esque losses in the playoffs to the mm-hmm. Niners in the wildcard round, which was You're hilarious. welcome, America. Uh, Dak just forgetting how clocks work. It was pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> they come into this year with the over-under at nine and a half. And, you know, Matt, I, I guess this is a fair number. The NFC East is kind of booty. The NFC in general kind of stinks. Um, but this team, you know, no more Amari Cooper, no more Randy Gregory, um, questionable offensive line. Um, Dak, uh, yeah, I, is he the guy? I guess he's getting paid like the guy. But overall, there's real doubts on this team. I think nine and a half is a fair number, but I'm not sure that the, they get to 10 wins by any means. I, I, I'd be probably, honestly, uh, more inclined to say that they go under. Yeah, I'll hammer the under here as well. But I think they get to nine wins. But, I mean, yeah. what position would you say that they're infinitely better than the Eagles? I mean – Running back, that's it. Yeah, that's what I would think. And I, I know a lot of people are going to say, well, what about Dak over Hurts? Well, Hurts has a different skill set. Hurts can hurt you in a different way. So, I would say Michael Parsons. That's, that's the clear one for me. Yeah, I don't think the pass rusher is Michael Parsons. I know some people will say secondary because of Tavon Diggs, but 
Let's yeah. not piss off Tommy. We don't have Somebody all night. Tommy. Somebody tag Tommy. Somebody tag Tommy. I actually like Diggs a lot. I think he's getting a bad rap, actually, overall, because the guy, he does allow a lot of yards, but it's like how Tommy looks at those stats, like interceptions and pick sixes. Other people are just looking at, well, yards. Like, you can't look at those in a vacuum and judge this player because he does allow only a 52.4% completion percentage, which is fourth in the NFL among all DBs. His quarterback yeah. rating is, or his rating when quarterbacks throw to him is in the 50s, which is third among all DBs. So there's something to his game. I think he needs to be a more well, well-rounded cornerback, um, and I think it's there, but I think he's getting better. There's a lot to love with things. I just don't think there's a lot to love with Dallas. I love C.D. Lamb. When we talk about wide receivers, what's after C.D. Lamb? Michael Gallup, Jalen Tolbert. I mean, there's Gallup's names. Also out for the, Gallup's out, also yeah. out for the first month. Um, I like Schultz, but he's not, you know, uh, in the top tier of tight ends. He's fine, but he's not, like, the greatest thing ever. And, honestly, their best running back is their second string running back because Tony Pollard is better than Ezekiel Elliott at this point. So, uh, yeah, and, and – and their starting left tackles is almost old as Tom Brady. I was just going to say, well, Tyron Smith got hurt, and they're clearly a different team without him. And then they signed Jason Peters to replace him, and he's not the same guy. He hasn't been that guy in five years, so it's it's interesting. He was. I, I will say this. Peters was pretty good for the Bears, especially when you watched that 49ers game and he just totally annihilated Fred Warner. Just – it was beautiful. <laughs> All right, but, Henry. Dallas nine and a half over under. What do you think? I go under. I I I don't like Dallas's depth at all. Um, and I I think uh, you hit it on the head. I I think Pollard surplants Ezekiel as the number one back by the end of the year. It's been two years in the making now. You can see it on the field. When Pollard comes in, they're a different offense. Absolutely. Zeke is slow. He can't hit the same hole. He can't hit the holes at the same burst anymore. He doesn't even catch passes at the same rate. It's just, you know, this is why you don't pay running backs, truly. I mean, he has too many miles on him now. He's just not the same guy. This is the year uh, we happens. see that swap, I think. Yeah, it's, it happens to all of them. Um, all right. Now, the line on this one is Tampa Bay favored by two and a half. I will take them to win and to cover. I think they win by at least a field goal, if not more. Um, Henry, uh, what do you make of this? You know, I, I wanted to go upset here. Um, I think Gallup being out, you know, Washington being on the IR, I just can't bet against Tampa Bay in this game. Matt? Yeah, I'm going to take Tampa. Uh, I think they cover here. Dallas is beginning their slow trend to the bottom of the division. Gotta love it. All right. Monday night football. And if you thought the revenge games were over with, they are not. We have so many revenge angles with this one. And it all stems on one trade. And it, it's, it could be the Drew Locke revenge game who's not going to play. It's going to be the Noah Fant revenge game. I mean, I mean, who am I actually kidding? It's the Russell Wilson returns home revenge game after 10 years of the Seattle Seahawks quarterback now returns with the team that the Seahawks beat in the Super Bowl all those years ago with a massive extension in his bag as well. Um, the Broncos come into this year now with Wilson. You know, I think they have a good roster. The over-under is at nine and a half. Um, we talked about how good this division is. We talked about um, a lot of talent all over the place and how difficult these schedules are. Nine and a half is an interesting number um i'm gonna i'm leaning over but that over being exactly 10 uh henry we'll start with you uh what do you where are you at with the broncos i'm gonna go 
under, just under. Um, I'm going to go nine wins. I think uh, Russ was a great, great addition to this team. Um, I mean, this team is led by that defense, right? That defense is just, just it. I, I don't know that Russ, I know we, we discussed this contract um, in the group. Not a fan of that contract. I don't think he, he plays that contract out, but I get it. You had to pay him. Um, it wouldn't shock me if Russ has the game of the season um, <laughs> in, in this coming game. <laughs> He's just going to absolutely go the fuck off on this game. He's going to rub it in their face, and he is not going to let Pete Carroll let that fucking down. He's throwing 300 yards. He's throwing three touchdowns. He's probably rushing for another one. This is going to be a fucking ass whooping of epic proportions. <laughs> it's going to be the Russell Wilson show this weekend. <laughs> All right, Matt. Uh, Broncos coming in at nine and a half. What do you got? And for the sake of time here, I'm going to do both Seattle and Denver real quick. Denver's going to go over. They'll, they'll get 10 wins exactly. Russell Wilson's actually going to annihilate this pathetic ass team. And if you told me that Seattle's over under win total was 0.5, I would take the under. As long as Geno Smith is starting at quarterback, by far the worst starting quarterback I've ever seen. And I've seen really bad starting quarterback play. I've been a Bears fan my entire life. And I've seen Jonathan Quinn. I have seen Chad Hutchinson. I have seen some of the worst quarterbacks you could imagine that shouldn't be on an NFL field. And somehow Geno Smith is worse than all of them. I had a policy. Do not draft any Seattle players. I didn't draft any Seattle players because this team sucks it sucks I, what's the point spread denver by 40 i'll take it so seattle's over under is five and a half i assume uh henry you're also taking the under on that add a one in front of it it's the worst team in the nfl it's, it's not yes. close but I, they, what I what i love is that the reports were that seattle wanted drew lock like that was their target <laughs> yeah that's bad I'm like, what the fuck? Why? Because <laughs> he wrapped young Jeezy on the sideline like, the one time. That was their actual fucking target in a trade. Like, who does that? Baker right. Mayfield was sitting out there for a fifth. Yeah. They could have got Jimmy G probably. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, uh, so this line's six and a half. Matt said he'd take it if it was 40. Henry, I assume you're taking Denver on the points. Absolutely. I also am going to take Denver and the points. All right, so rapid-fire time, guys. Let's go through this as quickly as we can because, boy, oh, boy, we have taken time on this show. I want to do a division winners uh, for both conferences. So I'll lead us off, and I'll just kind of explain how I'm going to do this. In the NFC, in the East, I'm taking the Eagles. In the North, I'm taking the Vikings. The South, uh, I am going to take the Buccaneers. And in the West, I will take – uh, the Rams. Now, Matt, how I laid it out, does that make sense? Yeah, East, oh. Eagles, North, by, or North, no, North Packers, internet connection may cut out. West is Rams, South is Bucks. Henry? Eagles, Vikings, Tampa Bay, 49ers. He's taking the Niners. How shocking. All right. In the AFC, I'm going to go Bills in the East. I will go Ravens in the North. I will go Colts in the South. And I'm going to go Chiefs in the West. Bushnell? I'm going to go opposite order. Well, all right. Fine. East, Bills, North, Steelers, South, Titans, West will be Chargers. Henry? I'm going East, Bills, North, Bengals. 
South, give me the Colts. And West, I'm taking the Chargers. Love it, love it, love it. And now for awards, let's do rapid fire. Your NFL MVP in 2022. I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes. Uh, let's go Hank first. I want to go Josh Allen. I have to go Josh Allen. That's been my guy, right? But I, mean, I feel like everyone is picking Josh Allen, and every time everyone picks the same guy, it never happens. Right. Justin Herbert. All right. Matt? Justin Herbert. Hey. I picked Herbert that, last year. So I... That was not planned. <laughs> no, it was not. Uh, defensive player of the year. Uh, I am I, I'm, I'm tempted to go TJ Watt for the three-peat, but I am going to go Micah Parsons of the Cowboys. Matt? Nick Bosa. Henry? <laughs> you mother... <laughs> <laughs> If you're listening still, it, just bet against all these guys that they're picking. It's just that's, that's the lock. Uh, offensive player of the year, I'm going to go Justin Jefferson. Henry. I mean, can Justin Herbert win both? Uh, yeah, typically they don't. Yeah, typically they don't. Um, so give me a wide receiver, a wide receiver. Um, I'll come back to this one. All right, Matt. Jamar Chase. I should have picked Jamar Chase, but now it looks like we're just this is a setup. <laughs> I'll go Jamar Chase. Oh my god! It needed to. Be, I did say it needed to be a wide receiver. Yeah, he did. He did. Uh, Coach of the year. Um, I'm gonna go. This one is tougher, but I'm gonna go Frank Reich. Matt. Rabel. Rabel. Okay, Henry. Mike McDaniels. All right. I like that. I like that. Uh, comeback player of the year. I'm going Jameis Winston. Henry. Jameis Winston. I agree. Uh, I'm going to go Cleo Mack. All right. Uh, offensive rookie of the year. <sighs> this one is tough, um, but I think I'm going to go um, Chris Olave. Hank. Hmm. You got me here. I'll, I'll just George Pickens. It's a good one. That's I. I mean, I think a lot of people are going for that, and I think that's why I, I lean against it. But that's the Josh so Allen good. thing, right? Yeah. You got I'll, one, Henry. I'll, I'll jump on the bandwagon. Pickens. Yep. All right, defensive rookie of the year. I'd be shocked if it was not Aiden Hutchinson, Matt. Jordan Davis for the Eagles, the big nose tackle. He's going to be so good. I'm so pissed that they have him. <laughs> it's Hutchinson, and I think it'll be by last life. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this has been a long episode. If you're still sticking around, it's time. I teased it in my video this morning. It is the Super Bowl prediction part. And I honestly, I haven't really thought too much about this until this very moment. So I'm stalling a little bit. Um, and normally I think a little bit about this, but there's obviously teams I think higher, highly of than others. Um, but um, I don't know. Does anyone have a Super Bowl prediction off the top of their head where they'd like to go first? Chiefs versus Rams. Chiefs versus Rams. I love that matchup, and you have a winner for us. Chiefs. 
Chiefs get the best of the Rams. Henry, you got one? I think Josh Allen uh, keeps making that step. Uh, Bills, Niners. Bills, Niners, damn. I'm so sorry, Western New York. I'm going to go Bills, Bucks, and Tom Brady walks into the sunset with ring number eight. Oh, God. Oh, tacky. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> There's a lot of Bills fans who are not going to like that. All right. Okay. This has been I, – I, if you asked me how long the show was, was going to be, I would have said maybe two hours. We're at three and a half. It didn't feel like it. We had fun. I agree. This has actually been a lot of fun. It was so good to actually get to talk to you guys about football, uh, do all of this. I think we touched on everything. Honestly, I don't think we missed a beat. Um, And I still had in here bet update. I don't think anyone wants to hear about your White Sox and all that. So I'm going to spare the people a baseball (laughs) conversation at the end of the show. Not Um, over until it's over. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, Isaiah Conner-Faleff was hitting Grand Slam, so I think it's over for you, my friend. Um, But (laughs) anyway. Still win the World um, Series. Still out there. (laughs) Look, uh, I don't know how often these are going to happen. Uh, I'm sure at some points during the season, we're going to come on and do a show. We all have a lot going on in our personal lives. Uh, I can't, and, and Matt, you can, and Henry, you can't either commit to the doing these weekly or even bi-weekly the way we were doing this when we were you know, cooped up in our houses with COVID and everything. Uh, stuff's gone on and changed since then. Still participate in the group. We'd love to still talk to you guys in football life. It just won't be in the same live format uh, a couple times throughout the week. If you have questions, hey, reach out to one of us. If you have a uh, start a conversation in the group, we love that shit. Uh, that's how we keep the group going is when we have members participate beyond just us, the admins. Um, so Matt, you and I, you know, we are football people. We, we love this stuff and it's going to be different not doing shows every week because last few seasons we have done that. But uh, do you have any uh, you know, parting words you want to say to the group members? Any Anything you want to just get off your chest before we say goodbye? I hear one more asshole say the Bears are going to be the worst team in the NFL. I'm going to boot your ass from football life. Uh, Henry, you're our fearless leader of the life groups. None of us would be here without you. Um, So uh, we greatly appreciate you doing this with us. Do you have anything you would like to say? I I want to thank you guys. You guys carry the group along with with Corey and and Lucas, and you make sure everyone uh, does an amazing job and and has an amazing experience. Um, Guys, if you don't have your friends and families in football life and, and they're football fans. You need to get them in football life. We have great conversations. Uh, we have fun messing with Tommy during the year. Tommy has fun messing with Jason with fucking, <laughs> with that one picture. <laughs> uh, we have a lot of fun. We troll one another. We, we, we talk shit. We, you know, we have fun. Um, every group is just amazing. And then you guys and the people in the groups are what make them. So thank you again. Um, I I have a bet for you guys over under on six shows for the year. Bears get to seven wins. It's going to be more than six. (laughs) Um, Tricky number, right? Does it have to be just us? Like the two of us or can you? You know what? That's a great idea. We can open it up to, you know, I will say over because I think there are people interested in, in reaching out and maybe doing some shows. So I'll say over. Sounds good. Um, But there are going to be content and, you know, football is here. I'm so excited for it. And and like I said, do some, we can do some game threads. We can, we already have some fantasy threads going on and I love that stuff too. So I really appreciate all the participation from everybody. You make the groups so much better. So um, look, 
I got to be up in a few hours to go to work, but this was so worth it to do this. Um, and, and this was awesome. And if, and, and, Hey, any of you are in new England, you're going to a Pats game, hit me up. I live 15 minutes down the road. Even if I'm not going to the game, I'll come tailgate with you. I'll play flip cup. I'll play beer pong, whatever you want to do. I'll just grab an Uber back home and then sit and watch red zone the rest of the day. That sounds like a great time to be honest with you. So, um, on behalf of Matt Bushnell and Henry Maldonado Jr., I'm Randy Hammond saying thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you guys in football life. Enjoy week one.